Oh, hello there, Greg. Oh, hey there. Welcome, Tim, to the first ever episode 64 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. We're yeah. doing something a little bit differently. A little bit different. Why not? Just Shake a it up bit. as the kids We only say. have some of the coolest dudes in video Half games Half of the here. coolest dudes in video games are here. But you'll be seeing them all together throughout the, the week. This this episode's different because we did a bunch of interviews at GDC right. 2016. Right. We interviewed a whole bunch of cool people and we're like... Let's make this a games cast. Right. An extra long games cast. The biggest thing we took away from GDC 2015, which is kind of funny's first GDC, is that we did all this awesome content on Twitch live, and then it went into the ether, and not everybody saw these interviews. So this time around, we went in and approached it the way we approached all the streams we did for kind of funny the animated series, where we did it, and we were live the entire day, but broke the day up, and these interviews packaged them as, what's up, everybody? Welcome to YouTube.com. You know what I mean? Like, this is something that'll live in the annals of history. But it means five topics for you guys rather than your regular four. Yeah. Because you're getting five starting on Sunday today. But so if they want the whole it, episode early. Broken up day by day. But now it's Sunday through Thursday instead of Monday through Thursday over right. at YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. You know, got to get the rigmarole. Right. Got to get it and out. If they there. want it early, they go to, they go to Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Throw some money our way and they can get stuff early. And that would be great. You're probably you're probably one of those people that did you're that. You're already there. Is this Are one worth a dollar? That? Yeah, this one's totally. This, this one's is definitely worth it. Five this topics one, from the biggest names in video game yeah, development. Yeah, no, it's worth the dollar, big. you punks. This one's gonna be awesome. So, who are we gonna start off with, Greg? I figured we'd go big and start with what was the final interview of GDC. Cliff Blazinski from Boss Key. Yeah, there were you, you go. Were you part of that one? It was Colin. It was me and Colin talking yeah. to him. And honestly, I think what you guys are about to see will change you. No jokes. One of the best interviews I've ever been a part of. Oh, sure. Cliff's Very awesome. fascinating motherfucker. Yeah, he knows his shit and yeah. his ideas of where the industry's at and VR and all this stuff. Enjoy. Oh. What's up, guys? I'm Tim Gettys. This is Colin Moriarty. And over there, the one and only Cliff Blazinski. Yay. Yay. I'm going to, since Greg's not here, I'm going to have to do the, the, the Greg, the Greg lean, back. lean back. I'm kind of happy Greg's not here because he's just so fucking intense. I know yeah. he is. He is. He's, he's super he's intense. He's just like, can't keep up with that level. He's just, and I'm like, nah. mm. Cliffy, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, man. Uh, we had a panel today. How, how did it go? Uh, well, we announced uh, not to plug too much and too quickly uh, that our new game Lawbreakers is coming to Steam exclusively, which mm -hmm. is just kind of a no-brainer when you really think about it. Like, we're going to put it on Origin. No offense. Um, and then uh, we also <laughs> announced we're not going to do free-to-play with the game. Really? So that that's a that's a huge change. We were initially thinking free-to-play, and the more we dug in, the more we realized we weren't thinking about how to make the best game possible. We were always just worried about how we going to monetize this. How are we going to monetize this? I'm just like, dude, I want to make a great game that hopefully people want to throw some money at and they enjoy, right? So I'm looking. There's got to be a a gray area between, you know, free-to-play sleaziness and $60 disc-based. There's, you know, maybe there's an impulse, you know, initial gate in there, and maybe some interesting microtrans inside the game, but, you know, we're kind of re rethinking and upending that whole model because I announced the studio, and first off, people are like, Nexon? Really, Nexon? And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, they make Cart Rider, but, you know, they have some money, and they want to make Western games, and I, that's what I do. Um, I make shooty shooty Western games, and um, nothing well, wrong with that. Well, not like Wild Wild West Western. Anyway, <laughs> and so the um, and then uh, the other thing was free to play. And like you lost me a free to play, and I'm like, well, League is free. Like, come on, man. Um, and so you know, we want to have a halfway point with it. Yeah, so I mean, that's interesting. That's kind of an honest moment, like right about of like reflection to be like this. Maybe you benefit more from it's, selling the game. It's, it's a kind of a meta statement on developing in 2016 and beyond, where you kind of. I mean, I stopped. I stopped lying when I hit like 25 because I realized mm -hmm. like I couldn't keep up with what I told anybody. So I might as well just be myself and be fucking honest with everyone. And so it's the same <laughs> thing with game development. It's like just be you. You know, be straight up. You know, be as honest as you can be with your community, and they'll they'll trust you back. And occasionally they'll still yell at you because they care. Or they'll call you horrible names on social media, but. 
you know, if they show up and they play the game, and they're talking about it. That means you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What, what's the for people that aren't familiar with the Lawbreakers? What kind? Of, what's the elevator pitch for it? Um, so it uh, takes place in the near future where there's been a massive earthquake, and uh, you know the uh, people have managed to rebuild. However, and gravity just gets funky. Uh, there's areas with no gravity. There's areas with increased gravity. Areas with uh, you know inverted gravity, as well as humanity learning how to kind of harness these powers. So it's a character-based first-person shooter that's probably going to be like M-rated. You know, right now the trend is for kind of these Overwatch and Battleborn games that are very colorful and yeah, and they're cool. I'll play the shit out of them. Yeah, and so you know, I'm not saying we're going to go full war as hell kind of gears and kill zone in era from ten years ago, but there's got to be a halfway point where we're going to be the the grown-up version of that. You know, they're going to be like kind of the G-rated ones, and we're going to be like the R-rated one in mm -hmm. that version. And basically, you know, all these questions that I asked about the verbs you're doing in the game as you're playing as these characters, you know, you grappling hooks and jetpacks and double jumps and side dodges and inverting gravity yourself and creating zero-g pockets and basically just what verbs can you do in the environment with game types that yield maximum drama to, to make just a fun team-based 5v5 first-person shooter. That's kind of the super, super high level. Awesome. There's, of course, more to it. There always is. <laughs> and the game, you said the game's coming exclusively to Steam. Yep. Um... Uh, your heritage obviously is on PC, but you, you've been more, more well known. Oh, my heritage is actually Polish. <laughs> well, literal, yes, your literal heritage. Uh, well, but that's the thing is when I was doing, you know, so the PC was always in a state of flux. So that's the beauty of the PC. Right. So back in the day, um, you know, we started on PC with uh, Epic and whatnot and shareware days. I'm old. And then, uh, you know, you decided to do console stuff for a while with Gears. And then I decided to return to PC. And when Gears was out, the Steam wasn't the juggernaut that it is, and uh, PC games were making the transition from boxed to all digital, which was a bit of a bumpy one, and piracy was relatively high. I saw the numbers. And so at that point, I was like, yeah, I know there's too much, too much piracy in the PC, in which PC gamers get very defensive, rightfully, because everyone always attacks their platform, even though it's pretty much the shit. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, it's all I play things on right now is my PC. And so, um, and then deciting just to do something on PC, because Steam has how many people installed base now? Like, you know, it's it's huge. And, you know, Valve, you know, we've been talking to Valve and, you know, Valve could use a shooter like this on their platform to kind of supplement the tremendous juggernauts that are, you know, uh, Dota and, uh, you know, CSGO and all that. Right? right. So it's like, you know, if you can find somebody like a Valve that you can kind of get an agreement with, you know, and hopefully get all sorts of Vive dev kits to play with. <laughs> have you seen, have you been over there at all? You just, guys been nonstop. Over we've been, here. We, nonstop I've, not, here, I've but, not been in the portal. So Chet from Valve is like this, like. Cyrus from the Warriors of VR, but like by this very soft way about him. And he's like this kind of like VR in a good way, cult leader. Or like there's all these indie devs doing all these awesome things with the Vive, and he's kind of like leading the charge. And like, you know, Oculus and Palmer also, and there's these like figureheads of this new world order of what VR could be. And and I I just I personally love it. I think it's it's great. They're all sharing dev secrets on how to you know do traversal in VR and how to deal with motion sickness or how can you move around in seated versus standing VR you know what, what are the best uh, you know uh, techniques and, and ways to solve these kinds of problems it's very it feels very like uh, communal in a good way and that's what's cool about GDC you know it's different than all the other other shows because that's what it's about and I, all I keep hearing from everybody is that all the the VR shit specifically like with the the vibe everyone's just like you gotta try this Star Wars thing you gotta yeah. try this thing like it's gonna blow your mind and uh, it's it's cool. To have see you, all have that you seen it? Any of it yet? Well, I mean, we we went to the the PlayStation uh, VR. The PlayStation VR is solid too, man. Yep. You know, they they have a very good shot at doing well. Um, it's one of those things like you know the biggest mistake that you know Chet and the crew made with the Vive was assuming you needed an entire room for it, which you don't. You can just have it set up at your desk, just like Oculus. So that's that's one of the issues with it. The other main thing is like for case in point, you know, I was visiting. I, I have a friend who has both the Crescent Bay and the uh, Vive setup, and one of my wife's friends was free on a Saturday and you know she does, she's not into games or anything right she's not really into tech she's just a friend of ours 
And so we brought her in, sat her down on the floor, and showed her Henry, which is the the, the uh, Oculus Story Studio kind of movie about oh, the hedgehog yeah. where you're in the house. And you don't even interact with them, right? But just the the sheer delight in, to look around and see Henry's bed behind you where you can see his quill sticking out. And he's just this little hedgehog who has no friends, and he just wants a hug for his birthday, and he makes a birthday wish, and maybe something magical will happen, right? And you can tell this is done by, like, ex-Pixar and DreamWorks folks because the animation's just on point. And then put her in Lucky's Tale, which third-person VR games work surprisingly well. And like I felt like the first time I played Mario 64 in Lucky's Tale. And then you put her in Tilt Brush as well as uh, Job Simulator. And then just once that those goggles come off, I mean, I had there's this thing that I don't even know if they've termed it in VR. It's like VR dissonance where you spend a little while in VR. When you come back to the real world, it's like, you know, coming, coming out of the Matrix, you're like, holy shit, where was I? It's really cool. And what, the other experience I got to do, we posted on social my friend Tom Ham over at the Create Ad Agency, they made this VR experience to promote the Robert Zemeckis movie, The Walk, about the, which was based on Man on Wire, which was based on that awesome French dude who fired an arrow with a cable and, and made it top between the World Trade Center towers mm. and tightrope walked the damn things. Oh my God. And so basically what they do is they tape a, like a cord on the ground and you put the Vive on and you know they have the headphones on and they have fans even blowing on you, right? It's like, okay. Oh no. Can you do it? That sounds horrifying. I, I made it three steps and I had to stop. And I know I, I've, I've, I've played with the Vive extensively. I've done a ton of VR, but like when you're standing at the top of a hundred story building and the wind's blowing, and you hear the cars all the way down below. It goes against every part of your lizard brain to put your fucking foot out there. That sounds awesome. And I so, want to do that right now. It's really cool. And so um, my, uh, my wife, of course, is, you know, she's a little freaked out, but she did that just great. And, you know, brought a couple friends over and varying degrees of success with it. But it's like, it's so convincing. And, you know, there's still a little bit of that screen door effect. It's not as high res as it can, as it can be. It's going to get better and yeah. better and better. And humanity is doomed. Did, did you make it across? Lauren? Yeah, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not called the run. <laughs> and, of course, in the back of everyone's head is we're thinking about what happened back in the day with those buildings and everything. And it's just this very surreal experience. And uh, it was it was it was moving and dark and and scary and you know that's the thing is you know I was talking earlier about when I had a chance when Brendan and Reby came to Epic's office years ago with this device that was duct taped together and that Palmer made with with Carmack and I'm like okay this is gonna be big I just felt something wait so this just blew my mind for a second so you're actually you physically are walking yeah so it, since it's the Vive it's room size VR so you're actually you know they had the cord taped down and so it's only about you know. 10 to 15 feet, you know, but, they, but you walk, you know, you feel the cord beneath you, you look down, you see completely below you, you actually tell, I, I shouldn't have looked down, that was my problem, and you walk to the other side, and you turn around, and you walk back, and oh like, God. people can't do, they can't do it, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not even that much of afraid of heights, I'm more like an arachnophobe guy, Yeah, but this just got me, man. Oh, can you imagine? Can you oh, imagine you, what they're going to do with well, that? The big, the biggest thing about <laughs> VR, is, that's, you know, there's a lot of things I could go all day about VR, but... One of the things that'll screw VR first is bad and cheap VR. Like people are like we got one too, and then you know if it's not VR is not perfect, it'll it'll just make you sick. And then like there's always gonna be a small percentage of people that it might hit. You know like there's people who get sick in cars all the time and things like that. There's people who get sick playing Portal. Yeah, exactly. So you know the inner ear and whatnot. It's a very complicated thing, but it's all gotten good enough now that you're, you're, the majority of people can use it. And you know it's worth you know fucking up your hair and having VR face for a couple hours because it's really that interesting. Um, and the other thing is like dumb VR experiences. That's why Oculus has a store that's curated. So it's not just some vomit roller coaster or it's not just some like big, dumb, cheap scare because, you know, something when something you're next to a big robot who looks at you in VR, you know, you, you feel it's right next to you. You know, I did one of these uh, multiplayer games with my wife. I can't remember what it was called on the Vive. 
where like, you know, we're back to back and, this, and we're shooting robots together and she's in the other room. But I turn around, I see her, like her avatar, like moving around behind me shooting. And like, of course, you know, first thing we kind of do is try and shoot each other in the head. Yeah, of course. Marriage. And, um, <laughs> and then, well, the other people I put in there, like they try to grab the other person and just like make out their avatar. Like, ah, yeah, I'm more of that type of person. Yeah. Make love or war. Yeah. Depends on how it is. And so, but like feeling her like right there in my back, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm in your bubble. I'm sorry. And it's just, a, it wasn't even a very well rendered avatar. It was like some stock unity thing or something. But it was just that there, oh, you're there. And that's the big thing about VR. There's going to be solitary experiences. Uh, there's going to be the social experiences, what I think Zuckerberg believes in, in regards to, you know, imagine, you know, I'm at my house in Raleigh and we're all sitting here talking and, you know, via the internet, you have an avatar and I, you have an avatar and all that. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, if I can play ball with my niece who lives in Orange County and I live in Raleigh, you know, or if I can play hide and go seek with our niece in New Orleans, you know, even though we're in Raleigh, like uh, virtually, I mean, it's going to be pretty magical. You know? Yeah. How do you how do you think this is all going to shake out with these kind of three major competitors? Um, we were talking to Warren Lanning earlier. He's of the mind. And we I brought it up specifically because at E3, he said PlayStation was going to do it. And this that was when I thought it was unintuitive to say, like, PlayStation is the one that's going to succeed. But with the price point being more affordable, the, the device that you need, the PS4 being probably way more affordable than the rig you need yep, to run yep. Oculus. How do you see it all shaking out? Well, the first thing people always ask me is 2016 going to be the year of VR. And I said it will be the year your rich friend has VR. And it's also one of those situations. PlayStation has a great shot at it. I've used the system myself. London Heist is awesome. Uh, they got a lot of great experiences. It's really good stuff. Um, it's a great gateway, right? But very, very quickly, you know, the resolutions the next year or two are just going to get higher and higher res. The sensitivity, the calibration, the rendering of your avatars, you know, and it's one of those things. It's I think it'll it'll be a short term winner, but I think long term you look at Vive and Oculus. Five, I think it's going to do very, very well if they can shed their, you know, you, you need an entire room, you know, like good luck for the person who spends $4,000 a month in San Francisco having a spare room for this um, or a person even in like New York or Tokyo, right? Uh, versus uh, Oculus, I think. My, if I was a betting man, I think it'll go Sony short term, uh, Oculus long term and Vive some and HTC somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. and that's More just, of a specialty. Thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of VR, as I said, I'll defend it. Uh, to the nines, but people are like, oh, you know, if, assuming you have the room, if you assume, and this is a big assumption depending on, you know, person's socioeconomic status, where they live, there's a lot of factors. <laughs> there's significant other, what the fuck is this in my house? Um, it's one of those things where, like, we didn't have a TV room many years ago. You know, we, even before, even when radio really came about, you see those old black and white photos of people with that big ass radio listening to War of the Worlds. That was like the center of their living room. If it's as good as it can be, which I honestly believe it will be, people will find a way. You know, they'll, you know, the, if you're in a small apartment, get the thing installed where the bed can go up in the wall, like, you know, in the classic movie where the person always winds up into the bed and, the, in the, you know, like, or the old, like, Looney Tunes cartoons. And um, the, at the end of the day, and this is going to sound really dumb and sad for humanity, porn. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I can't it's, wait it's for It's so that. obvious to say that, but it's one, it's really like, really? Like, this is what's going to drive this? But it's like, there's a lot of lonely people out there. You know, an entire generation who grew up online that may or may not how to like socially interact as well as the earlier generation. That's just going to be like, ah, this is all I need now. Yeah. Vibe's doing it already. There's well, a, that's the a, thing is I don't think I, my gut is saying that from what I know about Sony, I don't think Sony's device will have porn. Yeah. You know, and I, I know Facebook's really careful about what you see on, on Facebook's feed. However, you know, when it comes to the VR setup, people will find a way for that one. <clears> and it, I just think it's funny that people are having sex right now with 360 cameras on their foreheads. Yeah, it's I mean, just, it's I'm, it makes me happy to know that somewhere out there they're right? thinking of the little people, you right? Know? Yeah, I, just, I don't know. It's I had a, a, a buddy of mine was telling me a story about he had a friend who had the the Oculus DK2 setup, and he said his uh, spouse came home and he had the the headphones on and the the headset and pants all the way down, just going to town. 
And I was like, if I was his uh, his wife, I just would have taken my phone and just <laughs> holiday Christmas card <laughs> and then punched him in the nuts. But um, yeah, it's one of those things. Though. The other thing I want to do is, you know, um, just play with like, you know, take my friends with the gear VR and, and find some sort of VR porn. And, you know, for instance, uh, the, some of the guy friends that are heterosexual that I'm friends with, you know, take them and put it on where they're like, oh, I'm female. I have boobs. And, yep. and what's, hey, who, what's, wait, what's he doing? Oh my God. Right. Like, cause there's reaction videos is, um, and everything in between, right. Just to kind of mess with people's heads a little bit. Um, and again, horror has to be subtle in VR. It has to be just very gentle. I <laughs> like how you jump from, from that to horror. Well, you know, it's, I didn't, if I stay in the porn thing too long, it gets weird, man. And we're talking about, yeah, you know, all that. It's just, it's, it is what it is. But that's the sad fact is porn drives technology for humanity half the time. Um, so back to horror is uh, jump scares in VR. Terrible idea. You know, one of my friends made a little VR experience a while back where you're in this creepy environment kind of hanging out and there's a wall full of like creepy dolls, you know, like the old ones missing an eyeball and stuff like those little spider one mm. from Toy Story, right? And um, they're all just sitting there and you look away and you hear a sound behind you and there's nothing there. And you look at the wall and one of the very obvious dolls that was in the front is just gone. And then you turn around at the end of the hallway, the dolls are standing there. Just little mm -hmm. things like that are so easy in VR to kind of make the back of your neck stand up as opposed to just, you know, boo, giant, you know, monster from the ring pops in your face and, and makes you tear the headset off and throw it in the ground. Mm -hmm. It's like, they have a paranormal activity one that's supposed to be pretty good. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Because there's a, apparently a story, um, some woman was using it and she literally tore the Vive headset off and threw it in the ground and smashed it and broke it. Oh no. Yeah. So anyway, short term, PC <laughs> lawbreakers. <laughs> Long term, we'll see where VR goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm interested... Uh, one of the things we were talking about with Donald Mustard uh, yesterday from Chair, um, I, I asked Shannon Stud still this uh, from Sony Santa Monica too, and I just I like you have a great brain for the for the industry, like you just you you see things and you you have a good analytical mind for this stuff. And I know this is kind of a, a random left term, but I'm curious about what you think about this. We were talking about pricing, and we were talking about how many games exist now. And I'm curious, do you you know having in general kind of, or VR in general? Just in general, I'm yeah, sorry, everyone's stack of shame. Yeah, but just even if you want PSN, there's like 10 new games a yeah, week, yeah. like, and you never heard of any of them. Uh, as someone like uh, with a mind for this kind of stuff and someone who kind of experiment with the free to play and it kind of, you know, the, the idea of doing it anyway and then kind of going back to a pricing model, do you think games are too cheap or too expensive? Uh, do, do you think that we like have a sweet spot with like a $60 retail game? Well, I think there's a, it's a hugely complicated thing. You know, first off, there's, there's too many damn games out there right now. Uh, when it comes to my personal taste, what I like is little VR experiences or little like personal games on Steam that are like, you know, 20 to $30 that are, you know, very experimental and cool. Um, the whole $60 like disc-based thing, I'm kind of over it. Like, is the game, all the games just feel like they're screaming, please don't trade me in. And as a developer who's, who made a, a mantra for some of our games, keep the disc in tray so they don't trade it in. It's, I can see, oh, collect a hundred of these things. I'm like, this is just busy work. Like, you're just trying to keep me in your game instead of experiencing something else. In regards to pricing, digital will save us all. That's the funny thing about it all, you know? It's like, you know, you can have something that's, Fourteen ninety nine. That's kind of a bite size experience. Or you can have, you know, the witness, which is, you know, John John Bull's like thirty nine ninety nine. People are like, all right, makes millions. Like, good for him, right? So the the thing is, is you know, the the a free market it can be a good thing and a bad thing. But in this instance, I think it's a good thing. But the big X factor in all of this is YouTubers and streamers, obviously said on stream, um, and the fact that you know, there's this weird tail wagging the dog thing that's happening right now, 
where people are deliberately making the most absurd video games imaginable and putting it out there just to see if it'll go viral because the YouTubers and the Twitch streamers are trying to find wacky shit to play to have a funny reaction to so that the kids who barely even play games and just watch them online have something funny to watch. It's mm -hmm. like this weird, like, the pewdie pewdiepieification of the world that's happened. And it's so funny, like, you know, when you look at, you know, these, these platforms, they're the new MTV that's crowdsourcing their celebrities by way of, you know, the fun things that they get to do with all these unique video games, as well as, you know, cosplayers and that whole ecosystem. So it, was, it used to just be make a great game, put it out there, and then have your publisher spend a bazillion dollars to market it at NCAA commercials. Now it's like 15 different factors coming together in order to hopefully make, get, make something go somewhat viral and actually, like, sell and make money instead of just getting lost in the ether of everything else that's out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, 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 I'll pick Clevy's brain all day. Can you kicking in? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 Vane's right here what about you brought it up because i agree with you 100 way too many games um what like I, i'm surprised economic realities ha haven't stopped this from happening already but why do you like why are like obviously there's a market imperative to make a game and make money it's a, it's a it's not an altruistic thing but like do you ever think there'll be like a, a correction that uh, it seems to have been a bleed over from maybe uh the app store and then maybe a little bit with steam where there's just a lot of shit and I, I don't understand like where this is all coming from and how people just continue to raise capital and make these games i think um you're gonna see a bit of a bubble in the traditional disc-based AAA space because people you know and you already saw this like titanfall did pretty well but it seemed to hit a bit of a brick wall in regards to longevity uh evolve did okay right and gamers they can smell value and when you put out a multiplayer-only experience for $60 day one with a fake campaign that's just bots or something, gamers, and with DLC, gamers are like, really? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't buy it. You know, like, in my opinion, you know, those games could have been free-to-play or some sort of mid-tier model. You know, a lot of the ones that I like to cite are the examples is like a Counter-Strike Go, you know, small price of admission, like a, you know, like a cover at a bar to keep the idiots out and everyone who's there paid a little small chunk of money to be there um, with an interesting key crate system for microtrans and wrapped around a super airtight one of the greatest first person shooters still today of mm -hmm. all time so that you know that's why valve's been steadily grooming that and it just keeps going and it's still a great game so in regards to your average disc-based game though you know i've heard me you've heard me rant about used games before you know when i was younger and a lot broker you know i would have bought the shit out of a 39.99 used game that used to be 60 dollars. you're damn right i would i wouldn't care if the developers didn't make any money off that but the, the ecosystem cannot sustain the feature set that gamers expect, the fidelity of the graphics, the amount of money the marketing campaigns cost, and developers actually getting paid and keeping their doors open. There's a hole in the bucket, which is, of course, used in rentals. And that's, you mm -hmm. know, I cite the, the game I worked on with uh, People Can Fly Bulletstorm that I was, you know, helping out with uh, when I was at Epic. It was a great kind of, you know, in hindsight, everyone's like, man, that was a great shooter. And I'm like, yeah, the problem was, was A, I approved a, a shitty marketing campaign for it. I thought it was just funny and it was stupid. Um, and B, the fact that it was kind of a campaign rental, you know, it was like an eight hour play through the campaign without co-op or anything. And you're like, it had a tacked on kind of light co-op multiplayer, but it wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. So it's just once you play through that thing, you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to trade this in for the next game. And the cycle continues. It's a revolving door. And so in that space, you know, you know, Google fiber is even coming to Raleigh. Like the, there's still plenty of parts of the world that don't have the internet, but so many of these games now are always online. Like, you know, can you even play destiny without an internet connection right now? I don't know. I know you can't play the division without it, without an internet. You know, and it's it's you know it's coming sooner or later. No matter how much people were kicking and screaming when you know Microsoft attempted to do like the digital sharing and all yeah. that stuff, and I don't want to say I told you so, but you know I got a lot of heat back then when I wrote blogs about it. But you know it's all these you know online games are they're they're here now. You know mm -hmm. and like Netflix. Look at how big fucking Netflix is. You know and everyone watches Netflix. You know and, and you know the world. You know, there's always places that lag behind with shitty internet connection, rural areas, people in the military don't have a good signal. That absolutely is the case 
Um, so you know, there's a case for actually downloading and having the stuff on whatever device. But you know, sooner or later, you know, the, the, most of the world's going to be connected. That's one of you know Facebook's hairy, harebrained schemes is to have like balloons in areas that don't have internet to bring internet there, cause so Zuck can grow his user base for Facebook yeah. and continue to take over the world, which is what he's doing. Yeah, just I think the problem is it's not there yet, even for the the well connected places. Yeah. You know, like even here in San Francisco, like I at my house, I have great my mom's house. I mean, I have great internet, but then yeah. the house I'm living at now, not so great internet. And that's yeah. just because of where it is. Infrastructure mountain and all well, this stuff. I mean, yeah. You, can, you have the whole conversation about infrastructure in this country as well. I'm like, watch John Oliver. If you want to see something interesting about that. <laughs> um, but I mean, eventually it'll all just need to be wireless and just be super fast. And we'll all probably get brain tumors or something. It'll be worth it though. <laughs> for my, for my VR experiences from the cloud. Yeah. I mean, we have a, uh, you know, I think we're running time Warner cable for our internet at the house. And like with Google fiber coming, suddenly I'm getting these calls from like, Hey, we've upped your, your blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like, Oh really now motherfucker. Oh, I see how it is. Uh huh. Cause, Cause fiber's coming. I'm warning you fiber's coming. It's not the person's fault on the phone, but I can't help it. Yeah. A little bit. It's, like, <laughs> it's like getting mad. At, it's like getting mad at your pharmacist. You're just like, these drugs are too expensive. I knew. And it's like, the person's like, I didn't make set the price. Talk to your freaking pharmaceutical company and your health care provider. Jesus Christ. One of the last questions I want to ask, because I'm, I'm, I'm always been intrigued, even before I met you uh, about this, about you, is that you are well known for being, uh, to some people, brash or to some people just, but to me, I've always thought that you just tell the truth. And I'm wondering, like, and I, I've had the pleasure to, to speak to you and know you in, in person over the, the last few years, to know that you're not just saying the shit you say to say it. Like, I mean, I never like, got, to be fair, I can be an asshole on, on you, the internet. I mean, and, so, I, I, and when you have a, a, a culture that doesn't know where a person's coming from, they take something out of context. It's really, really easy to be like, you said what? I hate you without actually like reading what was actually said because clickbait culture and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I speak what's on my mind. I don't like my fucking time wasted and life's too short, you know? And I mean, if, you know, I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I think those who've known me in person find I'm an okay person, you know, and I, I, you know, I have plenty of friends in the industry and whatnot. And, you know, I don't like kick cats in my spare time. Um, but you know, I do talk a little bit of shit, but it comes from the heart. You know, I usually say what I think, you know, and it's one thing to be on the on a side note, like for a case in point on Twitter the other day, um, I got owned by a community manager from Ubisoft cause I was complaining about Rihanna's new song work, 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 work. And how I felt like there's this mumbleification of hip hop that's been happening lately. <laughs> and I say this as a 41 year old kid who's raised in the suburbs of Boston, but I've always loved like good rap and hip hop. Um, I just, it, I just fucking love it. And so I was like, wow, rap, you know, rap's turning into a full mumble fest. I don't know what's going on out there. You know, I can't even understand a word in this thing. And this guy's like, well, actually it's, um, Rihanna's background mixed with this kind of cultural, uh, kind of way of speaking that the song's actually about this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I quoted it. I was like, well, shit, I look ignorant now and I apologize. Now I know. And it's like one of the, the biggest things is, you know, if you know something, be confident in the fact you know it. If you're fucking wrong, be willing to be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's, it, like it's even in my, in my relationship with my wife. It's like, um, did you leave the, you know, a little stupid, like, did you move my slippers? Uh, no. Well, I can't find my fucking slippers. And then later on, oh, yeah, I left them in the bathroom. My bad. You know, like it's important to be like admit when you're fucking wrong. That way, when you're right, people will know like that you're not invincible and you're a fucking human being. You know, I just like to curse too, like Jeff. Yeah, no, it's fun. No, I also really enjoy the mumblefication. That's like such a good, just a good word. Whether or not you were right in that case, I believe in it too. <laughs> See, that, I won't stand for no bullshit. That trap queen shit needs to go. Dude, give me a little dicky any day of the week. Thank you. Well, thing is awesome. Yes. Uh, I asked that question or just bring that up only because I wonder if, you know, is the like, I, I feel like the gaming industry is like so full of shit sometimes, like, or a lot of times. I feel like it's like, I feel like it's just, it's like politics. And maybe it's like any industry, which is not, an, I've never been in any other. Well, industry. I mean, the problem is it's like the stock market perception is reality in the world. Same thing with game design. 
if your rendering engine is showing some sort of reflections in the wall and they think it's actually reflecting the water, then you have reflections even though it's a hacked texture. So it's like it's, you know, Randy Pitchford does this whole talk where he says video games are magic because Randy's a, he's a magician. He's on the board of the Magic Castle. And, you know, if I do this whole thing and reach behind your ear and find a quarter and you think I actually found a quarter behind your ear, then you believe it. And so it's misdirection. It's also it's also the incredibly short term memory of humanity in regards to, you know, if the Internet comes down on you for some shit, just wait a week, you know, and it'll blow over and they'll be on to the next, you know. And so what you have is instant gratification culture, uh, people that now have a platform and a voice. Uh, things taken out of context, uh, as well as people looking for a reason to get upset about things. And so when you add in all that together, you get assholes like Trump, mm-hmm. you know, because he's willing to say what I'm thinking. Like, no, he's an asshole, you know, but like when you have this this world of this clickbait culture and people who are, you know, like you get this guy. So I'm not going to get into too much politics, but that's I tweeted about that earlier, which is why I think you see this kind of thing. Well, Cliff. Thank you very, very, that was awesome. very much. This yeah, was a great, great interview. I'm excited about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. So, Greg, yeah, we're coming up today on topic two of right. the Kind of Funny Games cast. The supersized GDC special. Exactly. You, you guys are probably familiar with how this is going by now. Uh, topic two is... Mike Biffle. The yes. one and only Mike Biffle. Of course, made Thomas was alone, found enormous success, put out volume... It came to some platform, the PlayStation 4 and stuff, nobody cared about it. Then it came to Vita. Everyone went wild for it. And then, to make it even crazier for Mike Biffle. He's taken to the next dimension. He in, yeah, he is? Wow, good mm-hmm. one. He announced mm-hmm. that, yeah, the PlayStation Vita version, Volume Coda, is coming as well. And is free add-on to regular volume. So we brought him in, of course, during GDC to talk to him about Volume Coda. And, of course, Volume getting a little physical packaging. That's exciting. We it had is. our best talk to him about it, Colin Moriarty and Nick Scarpino. What they so have we had our best talk to him and Nick. Yeah. How's uh how's GDC <laughs> treating you? I held his hand wrong. Um really good. It's a weird GDC. Um usually at GDC I'm here like, you know, uh demoing, showing the games to press. Obviously as volumes out, um we're not doing that this year and the uh volume coder wasn't quite where I wanted it frame rate wise specifically because VR obviously you want that great frame rate right, so we, we're holding back uh, for now but that will be at future events um, so it's this weird situation where we're just you know we're in and out of meetings this is literally the only like thing I'm doing that isn't a meeting or a party this whole this whole week so it's it's really nice actually to not like be trying to convince a publisher that I'm good uh, we didn't tell you but we actually brought a disco ball in we're going to drink later so this is actually this a is party. actually a party it's a party of three Kevin's not it's a party getting started that's what mm. it is yeah I know it's cool so yeah it's been um, so my voice obviously is like croaky because I went to I tried I, tr- I, tr- I did three parties last night which was optimistic <laughs> to say the least yes. I'm not really a party guy so yeah, I was just either. like uh, but it was it was fun and uh, I got to see a load of uh, a load of buddies so it's nice um Oh, sorry. No, Go no, ahead. please, please, please. I've already, I've asked all the questions so far. So I was going to ask him about the, about which parties he went to last night because I, we I did not, see. I did not go to any party I, last night. I fell asleep like an elder at eight o'clock. <laughs> see, I've been doing that. Elder the rest Nick of the fell week. asleep. I, I did that. I've done that like two nights in a row. And last night I was like, no, I'm going to some damn parties. So last night was a humble bundle party, uh, which was really cool. Had loads of like indie games playable and stuff. So drinking and looking at stuff uh then the sony party which was awesome yeah um they always throw really cool parties uh which was where just kind of 
I was just wandering around, meeting, basically seeing all the indies, and then IGF finished, so all of the guys who'd won came along, and we were all chatting. It was a lovely evening. Mm. Um, and then I went to Epic. Uh, oh, that sounds horrible. So no, no, those were cool. And what I liked about the so so the humble pie was cool because it was quite quiet and like it wasn't very loud music. It was just people playing video games. It felt cool. Right. Uh, Sony one there was like an outdoors area that was quite quiet, which suited me just fine. Kind of stood there with my coke, having a chat. Coca-Cola. Um, <laughs> Important uh, distinction on yeah, 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 yeah. The problem is... It's hilarious if you're just holding a mirror the entire time. Like, a, there's no flat surfaces outside, did Leave me a Coca-Cola. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I went to the Epic Party, which was just like loud and bright lights and just terrifying. That one was, that one was like, that was a big... That was like, I've not been clubbing since I was like 18. Like I, I did all that when I was very young and now I'm just too old for that stuff. No, I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, all right, so... We have, first of all, a big announcement in case you're just tuning in, volume coming boxed, limited run. Yes, we've, on, on Vita. the Vita. On the Vita. We're just doing the Vita version for now. We're going to see how that goes and, and who knows. But uh, but yeah. And that's will you'll get. So you actually do get like the, the little the little disc for the Vita. It's a, it's a proper box release. Well, I'm glad you're able to enjoy yourself for uh, GDC not having to show the game. Like, you know, like, like, it's little... nice. Like, you're not having the same conversation every 20 right. minutes. That's the thing, right? Like, I, I, I get it. Like, I'm, you know, press have the hardest time at these events because they are running from room to room. I get to see, who am I to moan about seeing in a room showing off for like four days, right? But like, the one thing that's tiring is like, if you're showing a game, you have like, these are the things I need to make sure I show. This is, this is the stuff that like, I have to get through. And you just have that same conversation over and over. It's very tiring. Whereas with this, like, we're having meetings with platform holders, publishers, other devs that we're helping, other devs that are helping us. And it's just a really nice flow of different conversations and getting to see some cool like tech and secret things as well. So that's good. That's awesome. Um, I noticed that, you, you know, because you don't have to show the game off the young Japanese boy that was assisting you last, last so year. He's apparently like something's going on with him. He's really busy. Yeah. I guess there's like, I, I don't know. He got a job. I forget where. Um, like this little Japanese company and he's doing this it's like glasses or so I don't know right. yeah special glasses the young Japanese boy working on special but glasses yeah, I'll, get, I'll get him on another day I'll get him on another day and the other thing is I don't have anything to demo so what would he do right he would just he would just, he would he's, just not, he's not got many interesting things to talk about really so it's, yeah. it's fine <laughs> That's still one of my favorite moments of GDC last year. Was, that was so was much Shuhei fun. Just I assumed up. you were talking about Shuhei, yeah. but I didn't want but to he just, but he just, For people that didn't see it, he just showed up. Like, so, well, he DM'd, so he DM'd me like that morning on Twitter just saying, and had we met at that point? I feel like we'd had dinner like a while before. Um, and he just DM'd me going, hey, I saw you're on Kind of Funny and I'm not got anything on this morning. Do you want me to come and demo your game with you? And it was just like, and we met like, uh, met on a corner outside just before coming in. It's just like, that's Shuei Yoshida. Just, and, and then he just totally played along. I, I think I'd met him like in a big thing with lots of people, but like, you know, we got to hang out and stuff and we've, we've hung out since <laughs> quite a few times. Nice. He's lovely. But like, you know, he was just, uh, he was just great. And he totally, as we were walking in, like, I was like, it would be really funny if like we pretended we didn't know who you were. He's like, that's really good. So we actually, I think we managed to last for, I think Greg messed it up if I remember right. Like, I feel like he just kind of was like, uh, he just like, he said shoe by mistake, but we managed to keep this thing going for a while, but none of us knew who this guy was. It's just, like, it's great. It's really fun. Yeah. He was just playing the game and wasn't there for any Sony related business at all. And then just left. Uh, it was awesome. And also took $50 from you as well, I think. Which he then proceeded to go around the rest of GDC, like photographing himself, holding the $50 and <laughs> tweeting at me. <laughs> so it's cool. No, I, I love Shu. I've, uh, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed many an evening with Shu since he's a, he's a cool guy and, uh, he's just, he has a, 
he has a sense of fun, which is great. And obviously he should, right? In the industry he works, but like it's real. Like it's real when he is, he loves what he does. He loves uh, the medium and I just, yeah, he's great. He's, uh, he's my kind of people. So uh, I'm kind of curious. I was wondering this with volume because volume, yeah. you, you tweeted out a while ago um, that, you know, volume obviously exceeding the sales of Thomas was alone pretty significantly. Does volume, does a high tide raise all boat for you, or does a high tide raise all boats for your games in terms of like, has, have you looked back at Thomas was alone sales to see that those have, yeah. have yeah, spiked it, at all? It, it does. And it's incredibly cool. Like it's, it's this thing that when, cause, cause it was a surprise to me. And then I've talked to like publishers about this and they're like, yeah, catalog, that's how it works. You know, you bring out the new game, the old game does better, but it was a surprise to me. And yeah, no. So Thomas was alone continues to do really well. Um, and we're still finding weird opportunities to do cool stuff with Thomas was alone. We've, we've done some, some weird different bundles and sales and things recently, just experimenting with it. Um, but yeah, people, people go back cause we find people, there's a lot of people um, who like, you know, who have played volume, who've never played Thomas was alone. So they finished that and hopefully they like it. And they're like, I want to try something else by this guy and see what, see what's gone before. So, uh, so yeah, so it's Thomas was alone continues just to do really nicely. And, and that's again, like I, my job is to make video, <laughs> my job is to make video games. And that's amazing. And I still like, still like the idea that like I make stuff and people bother to play it. And then because they play it, I get to keep making more stuff. It's just mind blowing to me. So I'm incredibly grateful. Every copy of Thomas was loan I sell, like literally lets me keep making games and same with volume now. So it's, it's really cool. Awesome. Um, now I know Coda is like kind of like your focus now. Um, <laughs> But I did respect the, the jump from Thomas was alone to volume in terms of they're just totally different games. I mean, it's totally mm -hmm. different style. Uh, you made basically uh, like a kind of a, a, a puzzler and then you made kind of like a stealth, like a Metal Gear Solid VR mm -hmm. kind of game, which I think and I think volume is, is fantastic. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it's great. Again, on Vita, that's I waited for it on Vita. Um, it's working really well with those short play sessions, I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there's a nice little story in there and all, you know, mm -hmm. like there's a lot to find. Um, but like, where's your head at in terms of like, once you're past all this and once VR, I know this is like in your focus until the end of the year, sure. maybe beyond that, but do you have any ideas for like, what's next? Is it a totally yeah. radically different idea again? I mean, the problem is we have too many ideas. I mean, that's the big challenge is that, you know, because of, because we've released two games now and they've been well received and that, like there's lots of opportunity for us to do sort of whatever we want next, which I'm finding incredibly difficult. Like speaking completely candidly, because uh, it, it just opens so many doors and it's scary and weird because, so I, I always have to try to explain this to people. Like Thomas was alone was like, the reason it's rectangle was I literally was making it in my evenings and weekends. I had no time, no resources, no money. I just had to like make something. Um, and then that came out and that did okay. And, you know, Thomas took a while to kind of build and, and do stuff. So volume was very much, okay, I have like a year's salary in my bank account. I can make something a bit bigger maybe, but like I have to be, you know, Oh, you know, maybe stealth, but like more puzzly stealth. That I can get that done in a year. Obviously, it ended up taking three years. Um, <laughs> but like, but but like at every turn, it's always been that constraint and kind of thing. And now that we don't have the constraint, that's that's tough. So the honest answer is, I have like four or five ideas, and we're just trying. That's a big part of GDC is just talking about those ideas with people and seeing which things people react well to. Um, I've had one person laugh in my face at one of the ideas. That might not be the next game, <laughs> but um, unless it's a comedy game, in which case, <laughs> oh, hey, there you go, you crushed it. So it's cool, and we're just kind of so we're, we're going through that process. We're also in the process of kind of structuring everything better. Um, Alexander, uh, my new business partner, is kind of uh, 
really like organizing everything and like building a business, which was never something I did because I make video games and I just wasn't thinking in that way. Um, and I will now plug, actually, we're doing a podcast, which we're focusing on that stuff because we noticed there's a lot of games podcasts about game development, but they're all kind of about the fun stuff and the kind of the game creation right. stuff. So we have a the Mythical Games podcast, uh, uh, which is like, it's all on iTunes and YouTube and stuff. And that is that is really focused on like, like literally we did, we, the, the most recent episode we did and uploaded was literally an hour interview with our lawyer. Like basically just like talking about like fair use and what that is right. and how legally that all works. Just the really kind of the nerdy business side of stuff. Mm -hmm. We talk about game dev and, and the fun stuff as well, but like it, it's been really fun kind of exploring that and talking about that. So we're trying to organize, be more professional and then just work out which of those cool ideas to do. Um, I, I assume you're attracting attention and maybe even before volume from publishers, right? I mean, do, do you want to work with anyone or do you kind of want to remain independent and I mean, kind of chart your own course? It's, I, it's a, it's a tough one because yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you, is without trying to be, you know, too boastful, like we've shipped two solid games and that gets certain people's attentions and you start to be attractive to those people. So it, we're having the conversations and we're seeing, um, I think for me, it's like, it has to be something that it has to be something that we would make on our own as well. Like, I don't want it to be something that's, um, that we feel like we're doing because we have to, because I mean, you the players can tell, you know, I've worked on those kind of games in the past and players, not my independent ones, but like I've worked on those games, you players know, players know, like if you're faking it, right. They know if you're not into the thing you're making. Um, so I don't ever want to do that kind of project, but yeah, we're, we're talking to everyone at the moment because there are these opportunities, but We'll see, man. Um, but it will always be something that I want to make. It will always be something that I would have made on my own anyway. It's just nice to have the help, you know? Yeah, I mean, is, is the perfect middle ground for you kind of the situation you have with Sony, where it was with volume, where it was like it's coming to PS4 and Vita first mm -hmm. um, on, on the console space? And then, I mean, is that kind of like the perfect middle ground to give you like kind yeah, of I a mean, little bit of a voice and a little bit of a, a stage? But, and they helped us, yeah. you know, and, and Sony have been just the most, you know, I, I, I know I'm wrong kind of funny, so uh, this might sound uh, empty, but it's true. Like Sony have been like just amazing partners and collaborators on the stuff that people see, you know, in terms of like, yes, got to go out on stage, which like for me is just mind blowing again. Um, and like, you know, support with marketing and all that stuff. But then in private as well, like having, you know, uh, chats, showing them stuff, you know, working on them with, uh, with Coda, the VR expansion, like just like getting like the guys making PlayStation VR to play the game and find problems or find stuff that works. Right. And we found these weird situations where like there's stuff that's in Coda, which is now being put into other VR games because it's a nice solution. And we're also fixing loads of things in Coda, which other developers have solved better. So it's like this whole kind of collaborative and VR in general is super collaborative, but Sony have been awesome at kind of sharing that information around and, and making sure that all of us are producing really cool stuff. Can you tell us a little bit, like, what is the nature of Coda going to be? Like, I, I don't know how much you've talked about it, but I mean, okay. can, you can you tell us a little bit about it without obviously being able to show it? Yeah, so we're not showing it. Um, and I don't want to, like, over <laughs> overstate it. So it's the best game ever. No. Um, <laughs> it's like, although you, plant, you plant an acorn and it grows into a tree and, in VR. Um, no, it's so it's um, it's still top down. It's still um, it's still you're viewing kind of an isometric uh, space. Uh, so if you've played volume, you know, it's kind of that, like I say, like Mel Gear solid VR kind of top down camera. Um, but it takes place in this kind of cool VR environment. You're sat with a controller or stood with a controller and it's a hologram in front of you of the level. You can make the level bigger in, in terms of like in the real world, you can make it bigger, smaller, rotate it. So it's comfortable and you can, and to be honest, like just for fun. Right. So like you can be playing it on like a, and it, it's like the size of like a, like a, 
like travel chest kind of thing and that's kind of cool like really close to your face or you can like scale up so like gi joe's kind of walking around and you can poke your head into it and kind of look around it's a really it's a really it's it's you know it's taking that sounds twisted it is it is weird and cool and it's a fun toy i i remember when we were talking like very early on like just kind of working out the high level design of it we were like um we i i always use the reference of like i want people to be able to like play with the window of a car like you know when you're a kid and you're like just fiddling with the window and like yeah. making it go up Pissing and down off your grandma. exactly yeah. and i'm like when i get vr for the first time i want games that let me kind of fiddle and just like do things and be silly with it and come up you know work out ways of uh of, of, of playing the game their way and this was the kind of solution of like let's let them like because we had like versions where like it auto did its thing and it was all dynamic and blah blah, blah. it's like no people want to fiddle with the windows they want to kind of mess around with stuff um so this feels like a good way of taking the volume gameplay we have and kind of putting it into a vr context and then doing like you know new vo it continues the story with some new characters it's it's cool so it's it's safe to I mean you're kind of experimenting with VR I think as everyone is I, I don't sure. know no one knows what what it's gonna what the future is gonna hold but my assumption is that you're kind of a believer in the potential of it because I I talked to a lot of developers that you know that actually shocked me we had Steve Gaynor on uh, the kind of funny Gamescast or maybe it was Game Over Gregory show I don't know which one Gamecast. Gamescast and uh, by he, the way he has like he is looking great I saw him last, I was chatting mm -hmm. to him last night like he is like he's groomed oh right? yeah he he's very handsome very he's handsome great uh, you're great Steve you look great and I was shocked like he was the one where I was like I know he's going to be a believer in VR but he was actually like I don't really care and I was like because his games are like I was like oh Tacoma in mm -hmm. VR would be awesome not, not that it's coming to Xbox One first but but assume it would come to every other things eventually so are, what are you finding with your dev friends like are you finding like a lot of support or kind of a lot of skepticism I think it's like well I think it's like anything it's like and it's like anything with like down the pub with your mates right like there's people who think like this is awful it's rubbish it doesn't count and, and like other people who are like this is the future of everything and I think I fall kind of in the middle personally um, but I think there's a lot of support out there there's a lot of people I mean there's a lot of people who see it as a really cool toy to play with and something interesting to me I'm a believer in that I think it's I think it's badass. I think you put it on and it just feels great and it's fresh and its own thing. Um, but, you know, I also like, we've not sold one yet. So like there's, there's a lot of unknowns on a business yep. level. So I always have to kind of balance those two parts of my brain. But like, no, for me, I think VR is magical. I have all the headsets and stuff and I play with them way too much. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's, it's super cool. It's, it, it, it's something that I, the, the biggest challenge I think it has is explaining that coolness because i think if you look at a trailer you're like okay i get it. it's a first person game okay i've played those i get this i get the but the um but f but like conveying to people like these are gonna have to be in like shopping malls and you have to play them around your friends houses and like those first vr experiences like no one's played one so it's a uh, that's gonna be a tricky problem but no i i would love to make games in vr forever and ever but we'll see how that works and also it's worth saying that there are games that don't suit vr there are there are experiences that i want to make that i like you know some of the stuff we're talking about where it's like okay that i can see in vr but that would be awful that would be like, right. people would die um how about you guys like where are you both at uh i i'm a i'm a firm believer in it i right. i think it, um i've said it many times so i'm sorry for our audience but i feel like it's 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 religious you know my, greg's not right greg is more on the fence yeah greg greg likes it but yeah he's more more on the fence and i don't know how you feel feel about it. i'm a late adopter to everything so i mean <laughs> i i just am i i you know for me i i'm 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 the the most casual gamer in all of, in all of our group obviously by far by by a huge margin so for me to actually rectify putting that on at night would just be uh 
It's just too far of a stretch for me. It's like everything else that really just depends on what the experience can be. What, what's the game that's going to sell it for me? What, what, what's going to be that mm. addictive thing that I have to have? But I mean, it has the capacity to be as impactful to the, to the industry as like say a dual anal- analog stick controller, mm-hmm. right? Like it really does if the experience is there. I think the price is going to really help with that. Like it, it is a, it's pl- it's placed at that console level. Yeah. And especially for early adopters. Like if you're, if you're someone who like me went out and bought a PS4 on launch day, then you might be ready for like another big hardware mm-hmm. investment. And I think it, kind of that scale makes sense i think i think the price for me like that's i think that's the perfect price for it from a like a a obviously free would be amazing but like (laughs) in terms of reality like i think it's definitely it it suits what the what the what the device is and it's yeah they've i think they've said it's it's profitable right like it's yeah they uh, did say that like which i didn't know until yesterday that they said that yeah which is that is amazing that that unit price will be profitable for them that's what they said yeah which is is amazing that's what you want yeah, we're, we're 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 wrapping it up. We're wrapping it up, Kevin. We Thanks. got you. We got uh, you Kevin. All right, so let's wrap let's wrap things up by saying, all right, Thomas was alone's on everything. You can yeah. buy that it's on pretty much every console and PC. And <laughs> too, too many, if anything. Right? Uh, volumes on PS4, PC, and Vita. Right, that's correct. And yeah. are you have any Xbox One plans? I guess that will come. We'll talk about that later. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Coda will Coda's be P- coming up. And uh, that's PSVR only, or is that Oculus as well? Uh, that's PSVR only. Okay. Um, and then we have our podcast, which I already mentioned. Uh, we have the limited run games. You should go to the website and get on the mailing list. You can buy volume on Vita when it comes out. It's I don't think we have a specific date. But it'll be in the next couple of months. We just need to work out the exact date, but I won't mention it here because we I appreciate you guys it. might like yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, and yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Mike Bithell, uh, and I will promise I, I'm reasonably interesting on there. I think I'm okay. Oh no, you're you're great. I'm okay. You're you're, I'm you're, a, you're a quality Twitter user. Fascinating. You're, no, it's what you said that. It's fascinating. There it is. Intriguing. The you stuff can you tell with Mike. You can tell the uh, the level of your humor when you play volume, and you've got that really kind of twisted dry sense of humor which oh, thanks, i like man. a lot which is good i think that's probably the podcast. english thing right i think we're 90 percent english is the yeah, accent yeah. actually truth be told the rest of it is just <laughs> if you had an american accent you'd be boring as shit that's just fair. complete boring that's <laughs> fair that's fair i'm joking <laughs> mike bithel thank you for joining us you're welcome with us anytime you know that uh all right uh who's let's see greg will be on next i think with tim with uh nina freeman so uh we should skedaddle Gamescast episode 64 topic three. We're starting it right now. Who is it Greg? Nina Freeman. She of course works right now at Fulbright. She's working on Tacoma. I make fun of Tacoma and Steve Ginner a lot during this interview, but we're also talking a little bit about Cybell or Mm. Sybil if you want to pronounce it correctly, which I never do because I played the game, loved the game and I call it Cybell and if Nina wanted to pronounce the correct way, she probably should have just written it a normal way. More importantly, I'm spoiling what you're about to see, but there's a moment in this where I am mind blown that she is the one that created How Do You Do It? Yeah. The hit sensation that there's a let's play of over at youtube.com slash kind of funny games where me and Nick figure out how do you do it? Nina's a very special game developer and I was excited to talk to her. Hey everybody. It's me, Greg. This is Tim and this is Nina. Hi. We're going to talk about our game. Now, here's the thing out there. You're in this. We're live, obviously. The yes. camera never cuts. We're going to break these up as little conversations and whatnot. So I'm going to do a full blown intro here. Totally. Sybil. Right? Yes. I was calling it Cybell forever. Everyone pronounces it in different ways, and I'm like, wow, I'm a bad game developer for naming my game (laughs) something like so weird to spell and say. Cybell is because of the pizza place. Yes, exactly. That is exactly why I do it. Which is classic and really good. You might want to reconsider making it Cybell because people like Cybell. Yeah. Yeah. If you could get a a Cybell pizza sponsorship, that'd that'd be be really good. That I would take. What's up, everybody? It's me, Greg. This is Tim, and this is Nina Freeman. Nina. 
you made a game that reached out and touched my heart this year. I want you to know <gasps> I'm that. I'm so happy about It's called that. Sybil, not Cybelle, not to be cute. <laughs> Either any way you spell it, you're going to find the game and get it. And it's spelled C-I-B-E-L-E. I've learned to That's say marketing. that in That's everything. Because mm, yeah. <laughs> no one, everyone's mm. like, I can't find it on Google. And I'm like, you're spelling it wrong. <laughs> yeah, we learned the hard way too, where it's like, oh, you're kind of funny. And it's like, no, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> spell it this way. But it's still well, a good name. It's a good yeah. name. Um, now, the fun thing is, I feel like we have a connection because I've played this deeply personal game and right. we've tweeted a few times about it. Yeah. And then you know this hack I know named Steve Gaynor who doesn't put platinum <laughs> trophies in his games. But we've never actually met. So this is an interview where we're getting to know each other. Yes. Tim, of course, mm-hmm. hasn't played this game. I brought Tim along because this is a game Tim should play. Yeah. Ooh. And I want him to know more about it. What's not- more important than that is your Twitter. Yes. You're, I did not know that your Twitter was hentai PhD. That is my Twitter. I, I like that a lot. I don't have a PhD in hentai. For mm. the record. So you're a liar. I'm a liar. Okay. I have masters. Not in hentai though. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. I just thought it was funny. And even when I started being like a real professional person, I was like, I can't change it. Like people yeah. are just going to have to accept me for who I am. I, I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> As someone who didn't know anything about you and yeah. then found you through, I think probably Steve retweeting you and doing some stuff mm-hmm. and then played the game and then started following. I, I think it all fits pretty well with who Nina Freeman is. Oh, you got the hair, good. you got the hentai PhD, <laughs> you got this game, you take sleeping bags and make them into dresses sometimes yes i love to do that (laughs) i like you you're my type of person i know i know i'm a big fan of sleeping bags just in general as a concept like like the children's sleeping bags with like you know bell on them and stuff like that is there any other type of sleeping okay, bag? Sorry. That's the only one that you want to yeah. get. Yeah, my sleeping should. bag has Bell on it, too. Have you done a real Ghostbusters one yet? Because I'll send you a real Ghostbusters one if you'll I'll do it. I'll take it. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> um, let's, no, let's talk about Cybelle, though. Cybelle. <laughs> also, let's talk about I made it with StarMade Games. Shout out to the team. See, and that's the whole thing. So let's di- dial me back to the beginning of, mm-hmm. like, how did this game come to be? Sure. Um, So I guess for people who haven't played it or want to know what it is, it's a game about two young people who met in an online game, kind of like a World of Warcraft or something, and they have this relationship, and it's about how they decide to meet up to have sex um, in real life. Um, you play you like from, this game. <laughs> I really like this game. Yay. And you play from Nina's perspective, the okay. character who is based on me. That's the name. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it started as actually... Made the prototype in a prototyping class at NYU when I was a grad student. So it was originally a student game, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then I made part of it for my master's thesis and then continued to work on it after school. Um, I, I'm i a level designer at Fulbright right now in Tacoma. Um, and when I started working there, I was kind of finishing it up. Sure. Um, so and I've that's been... why Tacoma's delayed is because you had to put <laughs> out your own game. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I managed to finish it. And do a lot of work on Tacoma all at once. I just worked <laughs> all the time. I went a little crazy there, um, but it was good. And I had a lot of support from them, which was really nice. Um, and yeah, we made it all on weekends and at nights. So that was about a year and a half of work. So yeah, when uh, when did you graduate school? And then when you graduated NYU, did you immediately move out to work at Fulbright? Yep. Yeah, I literally defended my thesis and like a week later was on a plane headed to Portland. Wow. (laughs) It was crazy. So when you say the character is based on you, personality wise and stuff, but is it Mm -hmm. the look? Does it also look like you? Yeah, actually in the game, um, there's each act, there's three acts, um, three conversations between the two of them that sort of contextualize why and how they meet later in the game. Um, and each of them is bookended by short films to sort of remind the player that, hey, this is a game about this character. You play most of it in first person, but it, it brings you out of the game to show you her and I play her. Uh, oh, cool. So that's kind of like weird. That I'm like talking about it. it is my game, but I treat her more like a character. Um, but she's based on me and I play her as well. 
And that's the, that's it's hard to wrap your head around this one. And <laughs> yes. I didn't want to show it because it wouldn't show well or whatever. Yeah. But it's almost in, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but give me a second before it. you immediately slash me. Yeah. Think of it. <gasps> bless you. In a similar way to her story, except we're not getting the reflection of us in the monitor. Like we're at the computer. We turn on the computer and then we our mouse is her mouse. And so we get to open up stuff mm. on our desktop. Okay. And see what's happening in our life that way, like photos, this, that, and the other, and then double click on the game to go into the game, and then play the game, and click around, and you're, you're playing the game inside of her game, like the game Nina in real life made, mm-hmm. but you're playing as Nina in the game while you play that, and then the conversations are happening over like a voiceover IP deal. So even though we're playing, oh, we're cool. hearing the things we, the character, are saying without making any choices ourselves, mm-hmm. and so then this relationship starts to develop. So it's kind of like Emily is away. That we played. Sure. Mm-hmm. Except, but yeah, yeah, exactly. It's talking. And exactly, stuff. Mm-hmm. exactly. And there's no choice at all. But I mean, yeah. so like the story is just playing out as we cool. go and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird thing where, like at the end when I was like, and he broke our, well, in the spoilers, but you know, yeah. like, <laughs> how do you think this is going to end? Uh, you know, it, 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 I'm having these conversations with you about the character you play in the game, about the game you made, but then also it's, it's from your life as well, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Is that, like so? That's what's <laughs> mind-boggling about the whole thing, and yeah. not not to mention in this day and age, and the internet, and everything else, mm-hmm. and how toxic the climate can be to go tell a story this personal, ripped from your real life, yeah. but put into like. At any point, did you think maybe I shouldn't do this? No. So, like, my background, I started out in poetry, actually. When I was an undergrad, I worked in the New York poetry scene for a little while, was an intern at the Poetry Project, did all that stuff. And in poetry, it's, like, pretty common practice for people to draw on their personal lives, and that is actually what my mentor back then, Charles North, sort of urged me to do and taught me in that way. So for me, it's been pretty natural to take that kind of stuff into games because it's sort of how I learned to write. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I mean, I guess also practice makes perfect. Like almost all the things I've worked on um, prior to Sybil have been drawn from my own life. So I've kind of gotten used to that feeling of putting myself out there. But it was definitely fun, like going back through my old live journals and old photos and stuff to like draw from them to put them in the game. Because a lot of that stuff is really like taken from actual source material that I like did make when I was like a teen. (laughs) Jeez Louise. This is great. (laughs) So then the question, I mean, becomes like... So well, let's stick with the personal part of it at first, mm-hmm. I guess. How do you then deal with people reacting? Because I have to imagine, mm-hmm. as with anything on the internet, yeah. people are then criticizing the choices in the game, but then in a way they're criticizing you because you really made those choices or some version of them. Yeah, so the way I think about it with this personal stuff is like I really treat it like a story. Like It is saying like a lot, sorry. It is based on my own life, um, but I kind of treat my own memories as like, source material that's like separate from me it's sort of this like Mm -hmm. mental exercise that i have to do because i don't want these games to be like my diary yeah i'm more like interested in the craft of it and storytelling um so you know i might not do personal games forever i just really like the storytelling aspect of it and i love telling ordinary human stories and i happen to be an ordinary person so my life is like a good source to draw on for that kind of story material so when people criticize like the character or whatever that's just normal. Like I take it like any game developer would, you know, just sure. like listen to what people say and take that as feedback, hopefully do better next time. Um, and I don't try not to take too personally. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what about you? So you put this out there mm-hmm. and not open an old wound, but I mean, you're talking about this personal thing. 
was has there been any reaction from the guy? Has he? I mean, uh, we actually did chat about it. No shit, cool. really. Yeah, yeah. We oh, hadn't talked no. in like years, oh, so it was no. kind of tell me crazy. all about it. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm into it's this. weird because I feel like juicy, it's juicy. gossipy, but it's like I lived this and I want to know what this, this motherfucker's is. saying. What's the canon I mean, story here? We all love gossip, so I'm glad that my game can promote that in a way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is your director's cut. Can be the epilogue. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, we chatted. Uh, it was cool. I didn't know if I could get in touch with him at first because I kind of wanted to be like hey is this cool with you because like but also no one really knows you know I didn't put any real names in the game other than my own sure and that's a practice you know I've had to get good at that making all these personal games I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable you know Um, but I still you know I have the right to tell my stories so I go ahead and do it anyways Um, but I got to chat with him and be like hey are you chill with this like how you doing and and he was like totally okay with it so that was a very nice interaction to have. And it, it's surprising that a game can bring that out, I guess. Um, it does so often, though. I think that's the thing. is like We all know mm-hmm. people that have yeah. some some story that at some point relates to, mm-hmm. we met over a game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, have you ever done that? Met people through a game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I have friends like that. Mm-hmm. Not real life friends because they live far away, but I've met them at events and stuff since mm-hmm. then. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah. that's enough. Real life and video games, what's the difference? Sure. No, I, I, I'm enough. with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, you know. Her story is a lot different than my stories. Okay. <laughs> That's all I'm See, saying. I don't, I don't yeah. know her story yet. I'll have to play this because this sounds cool. Yeah. 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 But excellent work. Thank now, you. Now, how many, p- so it's you, obviously. D- mm-hmm. Did you do everything? Like what, how does this work for so you? So I, w- I am the designer and writer and sort of project manager and lead. Um, right. I made the original prototype and basically just asked a bunch of my friends to work on it with me because yeah. that's my style. I just like working with friends um, on these sort of personal side projects. So Emmett Butler, Rebecca Dunlap, Decky Koss, uh, Samantha Corey, a bunch of my friends came together. Um, they did, Emmett did programming, Rebecca did art, Decky did music. And I sort of was managing all of this and doing all the writing and sort of like putting things into the game and deciding how it would flow. Um, so managing all of that sort of in a creative lead capacity. Gotcha. And so then like you, you put this game out, you hit your date. Is it just soul crushing to go into Fulbright and just like <laughs> just the dates keep moving and there's no trophies in any of the game and your boss is an idiot and doesn't know. Steve, ho! Oh. Hey! How you doing? Steve, Steve Gator, I didn't see you there. Oh, wow. Hey, how, no, how you doing? Steve. Oh, hello there, sir. Hey. Oh, well. She loves working for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Congrats. Thank you. Hi, Steve. I won't ruin your cast. You're ruining my life, Steve. You're ruining my life. <laughs> so when you're working on this game and deeply personal, it's something I feel is really different, you know, in terms of games that I get to play and go out and do you know, actually get sit down and play something. Mm-hmm. We talk about all the time, like who's doing new stuff. This is new. You know what I mean? In terms of storytelling. Thanks. Did you expect it to hit? I mean, you just won an award last night. Did you expect yeah. it to do what it's doing or did you just think this is something you're going to put out and that'll be the end of it? Yeah, I didn't expect the award, that's for sure. That was a big honor. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because it really did just start in school. Like, I actually have only been making games for three or four years now. Um, I'm relatively fresh. So you're Um, a wonderkind. I'm a a little kid in terms of game developer experience years. Um, So it's been cool to, like, do well and have people be excited about ordinary human stories in video games. I know that more and more of that is happening these days and it feels really cool to be part of games and to be making that kind of stuff when other developers are getting really into it too. It feels like there's a wave Mm -hmm. of that kind of Mm -hmm. thing right now. 
Um, and I, I feel good about contributing to that because it's really, it's really important to me. Um, and I just feel so great that Sybil can sort of like be leading the way with these kinds of games and being a part of that movement. And it's hugely inspired by Gone Home, um, which obviously Steve never heard of the it. rest of all right. Yeah. <laughs> What's that game? Um, that was like the, one of the main inspirations for the game. Oh, wow. So, you know, I'm kind of trying to follow in their footsteps. So then ways. how does that work where you get to go work for them then? Yeah, it's actually, I don't know. It was like kind of my dream job. And I just met Steve and Carla at GDC like a couple of years ago, met him at a party. We kept in touch um, and actually Steve um, and the rest of the team at Fulbright, but particularly Steve, I've been going back and forth with for a really long time before I even knew I was going to work mm. with them about Sybil. And you, met really him, you met him playing a, a game and the game is about him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I met him because he came up and played the game I worked on. How do you do it about the doll? You did that? Yeah. You did. How do you do it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Go check out the Let's Play YouTube.com slash kind of funny games where me and Nick. Loved that game. Oh, thank you and, so much. Oh yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. Thank you. You're my type of person. This Yay, is this is good. You're my type of person. Yeah. I like that you like See these you guys games. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Steve liked that game, and then I was like, "Will you try my game, Sybil, and like give me feedback?" I loved your work, um, and so we sort of have had that relationship ever since. So it's cool. It's cool to work with them now. It's like really a huge honor and amazing. So, I have. I hate doing this. But it's and it's a hackneyed question, but stick with me because I okay. want to drive to the point. Let's do it. <laughs> is it getting better? You're a female game dev. We mm -hmm. don't. We always talk about that. There's yeah. not enough of that. Is it getting more inclusive? Why? Why are you? How are you able to do it when it seems like it's such a hard thing to do? Yeah, um, it's definitely getting better. I mean, a lot of people are talking about it now and thinking about it um, and actively doing things to change that. I mean. I feel really happy to be at Fulbright because the company is like, I think it half or more than half women at this point, which is amazing. Um, you don't see that every day, obviously. Yeah. Um, and for me, what I've been learning lately is that, you know, obviously there's a lot of, in culture in general, there's systemic sexism sure. in a lot of ways. And that's just the reality of our lives. So like, how can I do my work and just sort of like live with that and help change it? And I have been trying to help mentor young women getting into games and doing that sort of one-on-one -on -one thing. That's been good for me. And also I've learned that it's really hard. Cause yeah, this question comes up a lot, but for me, and that's like, why I hate asking, but I feel like it's neat. How do you, how do you solve said, the problem yeah. without addressing, mm -hmm. addressing the issue? And for me personally, what I've learned is that, you know, to answer that question, I just mentor and try and help other women get into it so that we don't have to keep asking that question every sure. year. And also, I want to be known as a designer and not like a woman in games. You know, mm -hmm. I want to be known for my work as a game developer. So I think it's important. I always am trying to like change the conversation around my games and trying to direct it into more about the craft rather than, oh, like, cool, a woman made a game. Like, right. I always want to be like, there's more to it than that. Like, 100%. I understand and that. I just think that working to change that conversation is really important in addition to mentoring and mm -hmm. just being really open to new voices. And, and one of the things I like about you is that you're, is that you? Um, I guess the way I we always talk about it, right? That the best part about being kind of funny now and being independent mm -hmm. is that if somebody pops up in the chat and they're a dick, we say get out. We don't want you. <laughs> we don't want your money. We don't want you to be a subscriber. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not chilling, whatever, then fuck off. You I know what I mean? That. And so what I like about that is in that same vein of just like this is who we are unapologetically. I feel that's who you are too. Like I was talking about it earlier with, you know you're coming at this personal story in a time mm -hmm. where people are very mean at times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Granted, it's a very vocal minority. I know that, but mm -hmm. they can be, but you're in there. There's this game about sex. There's this game about you. You're putting your, these live action cutscenes or whatever are 
in some various states of undress and there's photos yeah. and there's all these different <laughs> things that like could easily be used as ammunition against you but you're like well if you want to there it is and but that's mm -hmm. not what this is about and so by acknowledging that and putting that out there and saying this is who I am you make yourself invulnerable to it and in the same way I saw you tweet recently probably within the last month or something about the fact that you were sick at uh, conventions of people coming up and be like oh did you do the art for this game yeah and you're like no motherfucker I made this yeah. game yeah. <laughs> yeah I know I do always feel really good coming back at people like that and being like I was the lead I also wrote a ton of code in this game so I did a little bit of everything and I feel really good about that good yeah and that's what it should be and that, that's why I'm excited that it's not like that Kevin says there's 10 minutes left cool what do you want to do with your final 10 minutes I think you know on that topic I'm happy to have made a game that is sort of very feminine and very pink and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Cause I don't think we see many games like that. Um, I think of actually like Splatoon was a huge inspiration for me when oh, that wow, came really? out. I was like, not for Sybil directly, but just as a game developer, sure. I was like, Whoa, like look at this color palette. Like this is just a different look for games. And I just saw it appealing to so many different kinds of people. And a lot of people that don't normally play lots of games. And I just feel like, you know, introducing more feminine games or games like Splatoon that just have cool fashion and stuff like that. I think that's really amazing. And I'm glad to see like a company as big as Nintendo doing something as progressive as that. It was really, yeah. I've been impressed by, by Splatoon and that, that kind of stuff. So no. I like seeing those different kinds of games, not only from indies, but from like big developers as well. And that's, what's exciting. I, you know, we talk about it in waves in the fact of like, you know, right this last year, right. It was, Oh my God, there's all these open world games, right. Mm -hmm. Which are a knee jerk reaction to three years ago, this open world game hit. And so mm -hmm. here are all these other ones. And so now like I was talking about it, you know, uh, is our walking simulators games. And I fucking <laughs> hate that question too, or whatever They're games. they are. I agree. <laughs> but I love that genre. And I love the fact that now, you know, you've seen it now with gone home. You've seen mm -hmm. it with firewatch, which everybody had something to say about. Yeah. And then even with Tacoma, like that will continue to go and you will see other not mm -hmm. only developers try to tell a story that way but I mean other big developers not mm -hmm. other just other indies yeah exactly yeah I like seeing how like indies can do something like like a gone home and you can see that sort of like trickling through the industry yeah, right. and other people trying to do stuff inspired by that and it's it's cool how we can all like be in conversation with each other as game developers um, I like that about making games it's well, good it's, I think it's you know Game development, and we always talk, I always talk about the spectrum, right, of AAA now and indie. Mm -hmm. AAA, with how much money gets involved, they can't afford not to have a success, right? Whereas mm -hmm. indies can come out and, like, the, it's, like, kind of funny, right? Where we put up a video and it gets 30,000 to 50,000 views. And we're like, yeah, hey, that's awesome. Because it, it doesn't, like, that's a fine number for us. Whereas a, a big site or a big YouTube corporation, whatever, mm -hmm. that'd be a huge issue for. Yeah. Indies can take the chances, find out what the audience is willing to do, mm -hmm. and then you can see that reflected somewhere mm -hmm. else. Yeah. And, and that is what exciting. Like, I'm, I'll never... Forget coming home and playing Sybil. Yes. And sitting there and I was a little drunk and I was like, I had heard good things <laughs> and I, Steve had sold me on it and I sat down and played it all in one sitting at like two in the morning and it yeah. was like, this is great because this is something different. It's what Colin's always talking about when he's talking about PlayStation VR or the fact that everything's on PlayStation 4 right now could be on PS3. It's not like mm -hmm. we have this. I want different experiences and I want to see different voices like that. Yeah. Also, recommendation for playing Sybil light a candle and pour yourself a glass of wine. Mm. That is basically how I made it. I always had those <laughs> two so things. For the full yeah, for the full experience. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, awesome. You just reminded me of that. I'm glad no, you played I, it while you had, <laughs> had a drink. It's creepier though that I had lit a candle. I mean, candles are great. 
It that, makes no, the I room like, smell no. good, so then you're in a good mood, and C- that Kevin, makes a better experience. It was that weekend where we went and bought all those candles. Remember that? <laughs> mm, mm. Kevin and I bought a bunch of candles. I do remember that. remember that. Yeah, we yeah. went to Sir Latab, and then we went to Ikea, and they had a great sale on candles. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big good. candle guy. So <laughs> maybe How I'm can just you not like candles? I think I'm just doing it wrong. I don't know. I can get down on some wine, though. Wine I get. I mean, you need more than one candle. You know, like mm. one candle is like lame. so. You need candles, yeah, okay. candles, yeah. Okay, plural. <laughs> that's what I'm doing wrong. I've, I've only been lighting one candle, so maybe, maybe if I get a couple candles, we'll see. You get them all mixed around the house. Okay. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. Okay, okay, I'll try that. Okay, good. <laughs> red or white for the um, wine? Red. Yeah. 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 No, okay. nobody wants white. Yeah, wine. white's it's a little weird unless yeah. it's a hot day. Yeah, because yeah, white's colder. Sure. You no, I, you're, yeah, it should it. be chilled. It should you're be chilled for sure. It's a day drinking. Thing, I yeah. think white wine is. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is your game a day a day game or a night game? A night game. A night. I mean, oh, it's, it's all like about game. sex, yeah. and a lot of it it takes place in dark rooms, so mm. it feels like maybe not totally night, but like with yeah. Some let's not limit ourselves. Light. But yeah. I don't want to limit myself to only night sex. Like sex should yeah. be available also, at any yeah. time. <laughs> I was wondering why you're in the bathroom so long. No, <laughs> that's the thing about the game is that it's weird because you think about games and setting a scene and doing all these different things and you think about okay well The Last of Us and Beautiful Vistas and this that and the other mm-hmm. whereas your game is staring at a computer monitor mm-hmm. but being there I wanted to play it in the dark poor, dimly lit because mm-hmm. like I'm envisioning how in the, the characters are in college for part of it or yeah. n- the whole thing or just part of it uh, it's been a while the whole thing yeah Great. but mm-hmm. I remember when I would play games in college right and I was hunched over my little yep. desk sitting there doing and mm-hmm. talking about other people and yeah. it is supposed to be like you're sitting there embodying Nina as you're playing it so yeah. you're like her sitting in the chair at your computer clicking around it's kind of like the game tries to connect your hands to her hands That's cool. basically um, which is it's funny like her story also does that. Like a lot of these desk, the people are calling them desktop simulators. Oh my I guess. god, is that a thing now too? <laughs> I think that's a thing uh, now, and I actually kind of love it. I I'm like, like that a lot. I mean, yeah. never away. Sure, but I'm. Yeah, but you understand? Mm-hmm. Don't don't take the. It's okay if we grab it and we adopt it. Yeah. But people use walking simulators. Say it's not a game. Well, it's a walking. That's no, true. That's just throwing it out there. I I'm taking it back. Yeah. Walking We're simulators are awesome. Yeah. We're desktop ta- simulators. Desktop awesome. simulators. Any simulator. We're always talking about the kind of funny game. That could be it. <laughs> yeah. It's just okay. a desktop simulator where you Watching go to an Excel YouTube? you go to an Excel grid and you fill in metadata. Oh no. And then you make the you make the you make Photoshop thumbs and we yeah. like you got a percentage on how great it is. Up the vibrancy on all the thumbnails. <laughs> yep. That's I'd how play you that. gain mo- maximum points. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you go to Google to search you, like, whatever it's about. If it's about we're doing a video about Oreos, you put in Oreos and then hit and then you only get fifty percent of the points. But if you put in sexy Oreos as Tim would hit search, you get all the points. It works. It works. I like this. Anyway, we're taking it back. Do you want to make this? Do you want this to be your next game? You yeah, want to make the kind of funny? I'll take it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Trust me. <laughs> so that that is a, a good jumping off point. So Sybil's out. Sybil's out. You can get it's, it now. It's been out forever. Mm-hmm. How long has it been out? Because uh, I ran into it, you know, a few months ago. It came out like in February. <laughs> I oh, can't okay. even remember anymore. It's all a blur. But yeah, um, a couple months ago. You're... Hard at work on Tacoma with the Steve Gaynor guy. Yeah. And I'm sure he's not just leading you off into the ether, this game <laughs> that'll never come out. Uh, do you are you do you start working on another one on your own? Like how do, how do you balance your time? Um, right now I'm totally focused on Tacoma and and doing my level design work there. Um, but you know, I find making games fun and I like do it on the weekends sometimes, like a game jam or something like that. Sure. I recently was commissioned for this event in No Quarter, um, in New York City or called No Quarter, um, and I made a game for that actually while we were finishing Civil Up, which was crazy. I don't know why I did that to myself. But hopefully we'll release it at some point in the future. It's an eight-player car combat dating sim racing game. Jesus fucking Christ, yeah. I love you. <laughs> Walking simulator. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I wanted, so, you know, when you make a game like Sybil, people, 
it's easy for people to expect you to make more games like that in the future. And sometimes that's really cool if you're iterating on on an idea that you're really passionate about. But I like, you know, going and doing something totally different just to keep myself feeling fresh. Um, so I was like, I'm going to make a racing game and like just see how that works. And it's still kind of about like it's about sexiling your roommates, basically. So it's still got that narrative. Sexiling? Yeah. Like what's sexiling? You know, when you live with people and you're like going on a date and you want to take your date home. But like you don't want to like be doing it while your roommates are in the room. So you got to lock them out. I'm making a note of this. <laughs> this is great. Sexiling? Sexiling is the best. Okay. <laughs> that needs to be a love and sex stuff topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I have, I have two questions you might have already answered, but Go I want to make sure that, that, I, that I hit on them. So what award did you win? Nuovo. What's that mean? Um, it is category for games that basically don't fit neatly into the other categories. So often like more experimental leaning games, games that are doing stuff that's like really different. Um, so that's pretty cool. I'm excited to be considered someone doing something very different. It's awesome. That's great. And the second thing is why is it called Sybil? So the name of the game is actually the name of my real avatar from when I was playing Final Fantasy online, which is sort of when I had this experience in my actual life. So shout outs to the Sylph server <laughs> uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy online. That's where I played. Um, and my character was called Sybil. Um, and I actually stole that name from a girl I really admired in high school. It was her AIM username. Awesome. And this is the spelling she used and she pronounced it Sybil. And I've been using it as my handle in online games ever since. That's awesome. And now there's a game. Yeah, now there's a game. About it. That's awesome. (laughs) Very cool. Nina. Yes. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you. Sybil's available now. Everyone go get it. Follow her on Twitter. Hentai PhD. (laughs) Look for Tacoma soon. Did I plug everything? Yeah. uh, Sybil is at SybilGame.com. Sure. Um, And there's trailer, cool trailer for Tacoma at Tacoma-Game.com. There you go. You can check those out. Okay. Until next time. It's been a pleasure to serve you. Oh, hi. Oh, shit. I, I talked over your oh, hi. It's okay. You is can it? do that. Can I do There's that? There's no fucking rules, Greg. Uh, cool. Good. We this own, is we own this show. We don't even, this, we're making this up as topic we go. Topic four, but it's on topic four's day. is usually on topic three days because this is a supersized episode yeah, of the Gamescast. This is a weird, weird world that we're right. living in. Steve Gaynor is back. He was on the Gamescast a couple weeks ago. Sure. But now you have new questions for him, except you don't because you weren't on this one. I wasn't? Maybe you no, were. No, I, th- I think I was. I'm pretty oh. sure I was on this one. You know what? Yeah. In fact, you were. Because I think Nick tapped out at the last second, right? That's what it was. He was terrified. He saw Steve come in. He got all scared of him. Yeah. Steve Gaynor, of course, ladies and gentlemen, founder of Fulbright, made Gone Home, now working on Tacoma. We give him a lot of shit in this interview for two reasons. Number one, he delayed Tacoma. That I'm not upset about. Number two, he didn't put a platinum trophy in Gone Home. So right now, well, I'm going to finish a sentence or two. Then you're going to hit pause on this, and you're going to tweet at Steve Gaynor, I love you, Steve Gaynor, and he's at Fulbright. I love you at Fulbright on Twitter, even though you didn't put a platinum and gone home. Don't make this a thing. It's too late. Once it's said, it's a thing. I love you at Fulbright, even though you didn't put a platinum and gone home, period. XOXO, Gossip Girl, parentheses, Greg, at Game Over Greggy, period. I mean Greg Miller. And I'm sure you're going to run out of characters. Trending Gamer 2015. Trending Gamer 2015, South by Southwest, most entertaining online personality of 2016 toys to life ambassador of the year 2016 you might want to just write all this on your phone in notepad screen cap that and tweet that at fulbright that leave a couple leave a couple blanks like underline spaces because we know greg's gonna keep winning more shit it's true i'm gonna keep so winning just, more awards you can scra- uh, thank you later. kevin thanks no more 9-11s minorities are good
That's my presidential thing. If you don't watch, I guess if you don't watch Conor Greg live out of context, that seems kind of weird. To be fair, Greg, I left out the part where even I'm like, in context, it is weird. I left out the part about burning people alive. Don't do that. I thought if, we were done with that. In Conor enjoy Greg, the interview, Steve Gaynor. What's up, everybody? It's me, Greg Miller. That's Holy Nick. Shit. That's Steve Gaynor from Fulbright. We are here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games to talk to Steve and see what's happening. See, I was pretty... That was, I, I thought was there accurate. were two Greg Millers in the room for a second. <laughs> but before we do that, we're going like to start twins. with Lightning Reaction Game of the Year. Now, um, are you familiar with Lightning Reaction no, Game of the Year? No, and I feel like I'm about to enter hell. You ready to play? I don't want to Drop play it. this again. I know you don't want to, but that's not how, it, that's not, <laughs> not, that's not how Lightning Reaction works. All right, so uh, you want? I'm bitch. gonna hit the button. I'm pretty sure it's this gonna, is going to lead to our arthritis later in life. You, oh, I'm gonna hit the button. It's gonna this button. I'm gonna hit. It's okay. gonna turn red and play a creepy song. Yeah. When the song stops, it'll turn green. You want to buzz in on your thing and be the first person to buzz in. Okay. If you are not the first person to buzz in, you will be penalized. Right. If penalized. you buzz in early, you are penalized. Okay. okay. Penalized. So okay. wait, that's like this thing turns green. Yeah, you'll yes. see it. Okay. Greg always wins. Not always. Most of the time. Damn it, I hate this game. I fucking hate it. God fucking damn it, I lost that one. You got in my head saying I always win. <laughs> nice try, Greg. Thank you. Hey, Steve. Uh, I will say the batteries on this are going. Because that shock wasn't nearly as bad as the first time I did it. <laughs> where my entire arm went numb for about a half an hour. Holy shit. Do we have more batteries, Kev? Kevin's on it. Don't worry. Well, I shouldn't have said anything. Yep, you shouldn't have. You screwed that one. So wait, did both of you guys get shocked? Yeah. yeah. Oh, everyone who doesn't win gets shocked. <laughs> okay. There can only All ever right. be one winner. Oh, there you go. All Fix right. that guy up for me, please. Since when it'll just one on one v one, Nick. See, he can get whatever. <laughs> mm. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. There you go. You nailed it. Tacoma. Hey, everybody. The game that's never coming Wait. out. <laughs> Before we get into that, I, I told you this earlier off camera, but I want to say it again. I actually finally got a chance to sit down and play Gone Home, and it fucking blew me away. <laughs> and I loved it. And I was like, I'm, I just, I can't, I just wanted to thank you for making that game. It was really, really fun. Well, if anyone out there has I'm, not played it, yeah. I can go get it. It is great. You have no excuse anymore. No excuse. Yeah. yeah Unless yeah, you respect you trophies. <laughs> Shots fired. Again. That worked for Kev. <laughs> yeah, I know. If I can get Kev, I get it. I get the audience. Yeah, because like, uh, had you you hadn't played it because you you don't play PC games as much. No, yeah, right. that's, that's, that's yeah. why. So when it came to PS4, I was yeah. Like, oh, okay, I'll give this yeah, a shot. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you've heard of it or whatever, and you haven't gotten a chance to play it, it's on Xbox and PS4 now. So yeah, give it a shot. Thank thank you so much for taking the time to to check it out. There, it was my I'm, pleasure. I'm really glad you like. Absolutely, it. my yeah. pleasure. I don't think we've ever really talked about it. We haven't? No. I know that you liked it. Yeah. I, but did I, you go in not knowing anything? Zero. So so what did you think for the first part of the game? I think, I, that, I think that means that you empirically don't watch Greg's content. Oh, no. He, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I knew I knew enough about it to know kind of, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played right. it in the audience, but. Seriously, if you haven't played it yet, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know how many times I got to talk about this game. I'm buying this game for kids. Right. Come on. I, clearly, I like it. Is I mean, everybody's I, Christmas gift? That was the one. Did you see when I broke this kid's heart on Twitter? Uh, this one, one? one of our fans tweeted at me, and he was like, uh, I see Gone Home's on PS4. I, I tweeted out that Gone Home's on PS4, and I, yeah, and he's like, I see it's on there. Is it worth my time? And I'm like, no, I've just been talking about it for three years because it's, it's a piece of garbage. <laughs> and then he deleted his Twitter, and then it became a whole thing. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what he gets. Um, <laughs> no, I knew, I knew it was sort of the rough like character dynamics of it okay like what it was what it was going to be based off of but going into it i was like whoa this has a at first i'm like this is a really kind of kooky uh, not kooky uh, a spooky uh, yeah kind of maybe <laughs> it's this, a, it's a this is kooky <laughs> like, <laughs> <Mr. Roper's laughs> there hanging out with jack tripper um 
No, I, I didn't really know what to make of it, but, but the ambiance that it sets right, right off the bat and the tone that it sets is really awesome. And then you kind of, it kind of draws you into the mystery of what's happening. At first, I'm like, okay, is this going to be a mystery? Or is it yeah. more about the relationship dynamics between these two people? Um, and then you just get sucked in. And then by the end of it, it really is just a nice, like, I don't want to say payoff because that's not, that seems like the wrong term for it. Sure, yeah. It's just a nice sort of, you you just feel, oh God. Every, it's the end of a journey. Pop, it is. It's, it's a bittersweet of, end of the journey. It's very bittersweet. Yeah. Um, and it was and it was cool. And I actually went. I went. Uh, I think I played it, and then was like, "Wait a minute, no, I got it. I got it. Wait, what? Like that? The ending kind of like it kind of had such an impact on me that I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of went back and like, <laughs> like I can change this. I can change this. <laughs> well, because if be- I get to the room faster, because I, I wasn't paying attention at the beginning to some of the things that you find in the, in the, front, mm. in the front room that you come in. So yep, I'm like, yep, yep. I'm gonna restart this, and and, uh, and I think it actually, if I remember correctly, it resets you, and I kind of went back to the yeah you go back to the main menu, the main menu yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of went back um cool. so it was cool just to kind of just to kind of tie that and i was like oh this is such good really it's good writing when you look at it because a lot of the setup was there for you and you don't get that until sure. it comes full circle and yeah. all those threads come together at the end which yeah. that's the thing i admire most about it was i was like god it's like gainer <laughs> like, he, he weaved a good tale that was the funny thing and i don't think we've talked about this about me when i went back and did the playthrough on playstation 4 that was my first time playing it again since pc right, it yeah. was one of those games the first time i finished it i was like that was my story and that's awesome. Right. But I remember, and I, it kind of sounds funny. It kind of feels like when you go back to like your elementary school and you're like, I remember these desks being so much bigger <laughs> when I went back and was playing it this time, knowing everything. Like I remember there being so much clutter of so right. many things I picked up that didn't matter when in reality, everything I pick up in that game matters. But in the beginning on my PC playthrough, I had no idea. Right. I remember, yeah. you know, I remember picking up the photo of Lonnie and just like, whatever, this isn't, what am I looking for? You know what I yeah, mean? You yeah, put it all yeah. down and then to play through it again, you're like, Oh fuck. Right. Like from the beginning, you've been telling, me all these things yeah i you know the game is the same like it's the same stuff in it every time you play it's not like randomized or anything but i i don't think i've ever talked to anybody who played it more than once and didn't like discover new things the second time they play either because they just missed it the first Mm -hmm. time or because they're like oh i didn't realize that that like had a connection to something and it's cool to hear people you know kind of like go back through with some foreknowledge and and get what the implications are so yeah thanks for playing through it for the second time in no three pro- years. No problem. It's a pleasure. I'll be <laughs> happy to play through it now. I'm going to rock Tacoma. Yeah. I'm going to beat the shit out of that game when it comes out because now I know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to overanalyze everything in Tacoma, looking around, doing everything. Talk to us about Tacoma. All right. You, you delayed it this week and I'm giving yeah. you joshing. I don't, I don't mind. Take your time with it. Make it great. Yeah. How hard of a... Well, it's because, I mean, so, okay, I'm just going to... You're going to put it out there. No, I mean, we came, talked to you guys. Yeah. It's going to take us a while to get that platinum trophy in. Thank it, you. It, it, Thank we, you. It's we worth couldn't it. do it this year. With and, that. I know, and I was I, like, I was like, we're, we're going to ship. I was like, we're going to ship it 2016. We can't get the platinum. I'm going to ship. And then and I was like, but Greg will be so yep. sad. Yep. It's true. I it's, hope, it's, if it's, you can hold off and get it. I mean, you can push it to 2019 if you get on the PlayStation Vita. I'm just, you, just, <laughs> you do whatever you need to do to make that happen. Well, because the thing is we're launching on Xbox. So like figuring out how to get a platinum trophy sure. on Xbox is like hard. But we're going to be the first. You're going to be the first to do it. Somehow it pop- They're talking about connecting the networks. Oh, my so God. So it could just be that all of a sudden you ping your and you got it. You figured out. You did the way to do it. Uh, yeah, no, we, we were, uh, we basically, you know, we were showing it last year, uh, came around and, and showed the, the stuff we were working on. And between then and now, you know, we had people that we know play it. We yeah. had, you know, people in the press play it. And there were things that we were like, okay, we've pushed what we're doing you know this far and if we just take that and be like okay well that's the game let's just finish it 
it was like pointing towards the stuff we really wanted to talk about, but mm-hmm. wasn't really addressing it fully. You know what I mean? Sure, it was sort sure. of like we got it as far as we did and we were like, oh, okay, we're doing this like augmented reality stuff. We're doing like stuff with gravity. What do we like now it's clear this is actually what's important about it and we need to figure out how to like push further on like what you do as a player and how the game works to support like actually what we're trying to say about those things and not just have it be like our first idea for what we what we're going to put on screen and so like that you know it's the kind of thing where it's like if we had been at a point where we we're like oh our first idea is good enough. Just finish it. Yeah, um, that would have been great. Uh, you're not it's always, rarely the case in yeah, game making, isn't it? You're not always lucky enough to have that. So we gave it the time it needed to be like, what are we really doing with like these augmented reality scenes and how you relate to them, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're at a point where we're like, this is the thing that the this is the this is what the game is wants to be like. What's trying what is trying to get us to make, and now yeah. we're making it, and we gotta make the rest of it. So yep, spring 2017. What I what I what I liked about your announcement, and maybe I was just reading between the lines too much, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but was you talked about the fact that yeah you you know shared it with friends and other devs and whatever, and they had played it, and you want you took the feedback, and we're going this way with it. And what I loved about that statement is that it's a snapshot that you can compare to Gone Home because you talked about it in your interview with me over on YouTube.com/slash/KindOfFunnyGames, oh, yeah. uh, where you said that I was like, when did you know you had something with Gone Home? And you're like, well, we sent it out to our friends and devs, and they all wanted more. Yeah. And so to see that now, not that this is like up, you know, that see that you now get the opposite reaction, or not maybe the opposite of like, fuck this game, I don't want to play it. No, but, but you know that there was something there on those play tests where you're like, well, now I know that I I want to pump the brakes. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a certain point where you know some of it is is we we had a lot of very um, you know positive like public reaction when we put stuff out, and like that's and that's awesome. But there were also points like yeah, so so we had we had developers and stuff that play tested and gave us feedback you know one-on-one but also when we took the game around um to press and showed it to them you know we, we had them have hands-on time with it they played it and then afterwards you know we did like an interview kind of thing and like a few different people played it and then like one of their first questions was like so uh you know what what do you guys uh want to do to really differentiate what you're doing from gone home and i'm like you shouldn't be asking. Uh, the, you, yeah, the you game know, should like, tell you if, that. Yeah, if, yeah. if that's what you're wondering, then like we aren't pushing ourselves hard enough. You know what I mean? And so the good thing is, I think that when we take what we're working on now, get it polished up to a point where, where we can, you know, take it out into the light of day. I think when people put their hands on it, they will not be thinking about, well, how is this different? It'll be like, this is a different thing. And let's talk mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? So um, we're excited about it. Uh, Going to be showing more of it later this year. Let people get hands on it. Give everyone the elevator pitch for it because we haven't done that. We're being we're just oh, walking right. all over. Uh, hey everyone! Hey everybody! You ever heard of this video game Tacoma? Um, <laughs> point, point at your little bit. Your bet. You think? There you go. We gave those away in the prize bin last year. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, so uh, Tacoma is a first-person story exploration game that's set on a space station. Um, so it's set in the year 2088, and you are a character that is sent to this space station basically to do a job like a very like sort of like just kind of do your job don't worry about what's going on here and as you explore this station you're finding these uh kind of digital records of things that happened to the crew before you got there and you as the player are able to interact with them move through the timeline of what happened in these different parts of the station move yourself through it and connect all these threads to effectively you know 
rebuild a picture of like, oh, so this is what led to the station being the way it is. This is why it was sent here. This is what's really going on under the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big part of, of what the two of the biggest things we pushed on were last time we showed the game, the whole station was zero gravity, but you used magnetic boots to walk around and you could like transfer between surfaces and stuff. And like, that's theoretically cool. <laughs> um, and, and, it, and it's cool to do and everything, but um, the A, it requires really big spaces for that to be cool. And like really big, huge spaces are not actually great for like making gone home kind of like exploring. Yeah. yeah. And like the, the density is just like, that's yeah. a lot of floor space. And then the other <laughs> part of it is like, as we played it, we're like, it's a cool idea, but like, it doesn't really talk about what it would be like to be in a situation like this or how this thing would probably be built. You know what I mean? Cause it's yeah. like a place that people have to live for like years at a time. I mean, you know, they, they're, they get like shore leave or whatever, but we're like, this doesn't, we want the player to feel like, Oh, I, f- I feel like I'm on a space station. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like gravity in ways that I can understand is like relevant here. So one of the big things that we did is we rebuilt the station to be more of like a um, 2001 style central hub. That's full zero G just like float. You're, you're just free floating around the zero G and then you transfer out to the arms, to the habitable wings and you're in like earth gravity. And so there's this real contrast between like, Oh, I like, it makes it tangible that you're like, I can feel how this station is constructed. I'm in the middle and I'm floating and now I'm walking and I can contrast like, maybe this is kind of like what it would be like to be on a facility like this. And like, I am living that through the the character. And then the other side of it is, yeah, when we were showing stuff last time, we had those AR scenes, the figures the you know, that, that were recordings. Um, but for the most part, they were a pretty localized, you know, sort of like, here's a little scene and B you didn't really, you're an observer. Like, you know, you're still an observer. You're not like, Whatever. There's not like, one character who looks over and is like, why is he here? You're like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're not like talking to them and doing, you know, any changing what happens. But we have pushed ourselves further to make those scenes much more like kind of uh, robust in terms of there's more characters involved in a single scene and you as the player. Because so, the cool thing is, so like, uh, sorry, part of the the what we were pushing ourselves towards was like, we're in a futuristic setting, right? So like, how does this futuristic technology actually affect like what I do as the player and what my relationship to the game is? And so at some point we were like, these are digital recordings of what happened to these characters. Why, like, why don't we just let the player have control over like fast forward, rewind. Oh, I think I missed something. I'm going to pull it back and pause and I'm going to walk over here. Okay. These two things are happening at the same time. Unpause and like give you the tools to really pull all those threads together instead of just like, okay, I'm, it's cool that I'm watching like a visual audio diary, but that's all that's happening. It's like, right. no, this is like in dialogue with how this technology might work and, and what your involvement with it would be. So anyway, that's the, that's the elevator pitch. We just went about uh, 800 stories. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's what gets me so excited about it is when you were talking about that fast forward rewind, when you were on the one-on-one interview before with me, where even right now, like, are you playing the division? I haven't gotten to play it yet. In the division, you'll walk through and you'll find echo locations and you right. hit echo and then it's around you, but it's like, it's very localized and it's not moving. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. what, and like, I always talk about it when I think when I've mentioned it to you or other people who are that fans of like, it's, 
similar to the one of the favorite I thought the underutilized part of Arkham Knight of rebuilding a crime scene and right. playing it back and forth. but you, again super small I, I can't wait to be there and be listening to this conversation and notice somebody walks away and be like alright cool play the conversation out stop rewind play it and then just follow that dude where does yeah. he go what does he do and we to? have the you know people have have told us that they're these really satisfying moments where it's sort of because like you know, it basically the scenes are still localized to a part of the station. So yeah. you're like, okay, when I'm in this area, this is what was going on here. This has kind of like a snapshot of a thing that happened there. Um, but it's still like branching enough that yeah, you're like, okay, I'm following these people. We got here. I watched the rest of the scene. I'm gonna pull it back and follow those people. And like that moment where you follow them back and you just realize like they're sabotaging uh, the space station. <laughs> when they're, they're putting w- rats into the vents. <laughs> <laughs> That is the. the <laughs> I mean, the, the rat vent moment. That's a little bit of a spoiler, Greg. Sorry, I think you're kind of being a right Greg. I was, I was looking forward to that moment again. <laughs> just you know. Now I know that there is a rat. Now we're just going to have to change moments. the rat vent. Oh, thing. sorry. God I didn't mean to ruin it. it. Does it's, that mean you get rid of my mocap? No, that means we add another fucking year on the schedule. Thanks oh, sorry. Well, so if long. it gets a Vita. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, those, those moments of like being like, oh, I, okay. I'm back at that point. These things have like reconverged and like just having that kind of like light bulb moment. It's it's really cool to see. So, uh, you know, still a ways to go, but we're excited about the stuff that's been going on in the background. Sure. What is Kevin? Love? I don't know. What are you eating over there, Kevin? Got into some of the Morios? No Cheetos. Cheetos. Are they hot uh, Cheetos? Are they flaming hot? They don't have it here. Just talking to Mike. Yeah. These are really good though. I haven't had like regular Cheetos in a long time. Yeah. You guys want some? Because you only eat hot no, Cheetos I'm good. exclusively. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, he does only hot Cheetos. Did you see that article the other day about the invention of hot Cheetos and the guy who did it? No, it was a really inspiring thing where the the they at the corporation or whatever he the like CEO put out like everybody's part of this team. You're all part. We're all collaborative here, and you know we I want ideas and stuff and da da da. And I'm gonna get some of this wrong. I believe he was just a maintenance worker or whatever. Wow. And they they fucked up some Cheetos that day, and they had Cheetos that had none of the powder on them. They made too many. They were so he took them home and put them down, and then he had like a hot sauce there. And he put some spice on him, and it was really good. And so he brought him in. And he like he put together a presentation, and he got a suit, and like they fucking did it, and took the idea, and like used it, and ran. Well, well you awesome. find gold like that, yeah. yeah, it behooves you to actually take the idea. Yeah, I'm waiting for Kevin to come up with the idea for kind of funny soon. I hope that that guy got to got to benefit from that. Aside from a shout out, he got an article. article wrote. I know. There's, a, there's an article. <laughs> All the flaming hot Cheetos he could eat in an article about him. <laughs> Did you, you've watched The Wire? No, I haven't. The Showtime show. Uh, HBO, HBO show, show but, yeah, 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 yeah. You've watched it, yeah. So there's the whole thing in the first. Uh, okay, hey, I don't, you it's, watch I know. It? I'm busy. Uh, and then yeah, the whole thing in the first. All these season. Supergirl episodes aren't gonna watch themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they won't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, there's a there's that conversation in the first season where he's talking about the guy that invented chicken nuggets. Mr. Nugget is like stuck down on the base. Do you remember this? No, I don't it, remember it's that. A, one of the one of the guys on the corner is basically uh, it's. Um, D'Angelo, I think. Yeah, yeah. Is uh is is saying like there's a conversation where they're eating chicken nuggets and one of the, the kids is like, oh, whoever made whoever invented these must be rich. And the guy's like, No, that's somebody who works in the basement of McDonald's. He came up with them. They're like, nice work. Come up with something else, Mr. Nugget. <laughs> uh, so I, I hope that guy actually is not it's just not Mr. Mr. Nugget, Nugget in the basement. He's not just like, okay, I guess we'll go back and keep All right, back to being a maintenance now. guy. Thanks, yeah, guys. Yeah. That's cool though. I mean, that's that's that is awesome. That is with somebody who wasn't like I'm a food scientist. How do we maximize? Exactly. This? Yeah, is yeah, it yeah. weird that I think that everyone that works at the Cheetos factory wears like a white coat, but then is always pissed off when they get the <laughs> Cheetos. Yeah, because Kevin's lifting up his filthy little paw covered in 
Cheetos dust right now. And then he slams <laughs> it on his pants. I, on his white pants. <laughs> Where did you get those all white skinny jeans? I licked my fingers first. <laughs> Great. I'm going to touch all of here's your Here's the next thing I'm going to toss out. Yeah. You get sick a lot, Kevin. Yeah. I don't get sick a lot. He Are does. you sick I, right now? Were you sick no, last th- two I w- weeks ago? I was, sa- I was sick last week. Last week. No, yeah. Mm. It was last week. Do you do a lot of licking your fingers, then he touching does. your pants, then licking your fingers? He again? Does. I certainly do. <laughs> he likes to also touch like park benches and bus benches. And yeah. Just, pretty much anything he has little hands on. I, I, was, I, was walking, I was walking back to the place I'm staying last night and I was on Valencia Street and uh, I dropped something and it rolled like like you know just like off to the side or whatever and I got down like I crouched down to like find it and I just I had that moment where I like I put my hands down and I was like (laughs) I just put both my hands on all of Valencia Street sidewalk okay I'm not touching I'm going to the closest place that has soap and water right now (laughs) bad idea bad idea but if you live through it you become stronger exactly I mean it's it's great for your immune system it is it was it took me one comic con it was like my second comic con I think for IGN where I woke up and like couldn't speak in my throat and I was like never again and ever since then any once you leave the house at a convention like your hands are biohazards so I just realized so I'm I, I did a thing just now so I said I dropped something I was looking for it I thought I saw a rat run under a car and I wanted to see if it was really there. <laughs> I, I I said the the fake part because I was self-conscious and I was like, no, I was... You're I, in a safe place. Kind of I, funny, thought I, I thought I saw a rat and I wanted to see if it was under there. That was actually why I touched one. See, the only reason why I wouldn't do that, and I'm, I'm with you on that, I have a morbid curiosity of like critters as well, but... I have that fear of like the 80s movies fear when Where you look under around. the thing and it just goes ah, and it <laughs> to your face and then you lose an like eye. Like Night of the Creeps, it like jumps out of the dog's mouth into your mouth. Like, <sighs> it jumps it out of the dog's mouth into your mouth? Night of the Creeps. Remember Night of the Creeps? No, I don't. Oh, you I gotta don't go watch Night of the Creeps. Of this movie. Wait, it's wait. a movie where it's like uh, body snatchers kind of thing where yeah. these aliens crash or whatever and they <sighs> all look creep. like... Was it a Rottweiler? Was that the dog? No, it was a super small dog. It's Shit. it's all these little worm wormy alien and creatures. So they like they take over. They, they jump into creatures. your your mouth and then breed inside you and then eventually you explode. But they also can spit out at people and get okay. in their mouths or whatever. Yeah. And so at the end, it looks it's like they beat them all person. and the, the, like the girl like who the guy saved or whatever. Like no one's watching out of the creeps. I, I'm not ruining this move. They, he, she like, the like oh you survived what Portillo and it goes blah and it shoots it into her mouth and then the credits roll. <laughs> It's also where that great line, uh, <laughs> the guy opens the the blinds and he goes, good news, girls, your your dates are here. Bad news, they're dead. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> they're all I like do actually up. remember that. Yeah. That's funny. It, that sounds like a good movie. Yeah. I'm into it. Tacoma sounds like a good game. See how I brought it all back around? But that sounded yeah, like an extreme ice burn. Like you were just like... Oh, did it? No, it I sounded, thought I was, I was like, oh, no. like, that's how I would like... No, I, good I, I show, thought, ladies No, no, you were like, Night of the Creeps... And I was like, that sounds like a good movie. And you're like, well, Tacoma sounds like a good game. Oh, that's I what, mean that's like what that. I mean. No, I think yeah. Tacoma's that's a really good game. You know that. I, I, I I'm know fanboy number one, true. brother. No, how I many, know that how that's many true. of your fans got walls full of arts and crap at home? <laughs> <laughs> Probably one or two, God but you're it. like the best Thank you. one. We had Max Landis over the other day for a podcast. Oh, you yeah. know this guy? Writer? Uh, I mean, I know Director? Him. Okay. Uh, and he, he like was talking about Firewatch. He just played Firewatch. Yeah. He was disappointed in Firewatch. And I was like, well, Firewatch is one of these games that's a lot like this game Gone Home and you need to play Gone Home. Yeah, I haven't played Gone Home. Like, you got to play Gone Home. You got to play Gone Home. And then he looked at the wall. He's like, oh, yeah, Gone Home. He's like, what is this other thing from? I'm like, nothing. Don't worry. <laughs> Nobody say it. I was like, Nobody say anything. <laughs> so he knows, kind of, but he doesn't know. Yeah, right. And then I think I asked you for a code that I then gave to him. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. There you go. All right. I'm doing it. It's good. I'm doing God's work. I so spread the word. It's the gospel. One code at a time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I saw a movie. Um, 
Oh my god, it's I th- Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters it, two. Ghostbusters. Man of Steel. Superman one. No, no, it's Superman two. I, I I think that it's trying to help. I think the title is Return of the Living Dead. I'm all oh okay. fuck yes, yeah. Return of the Living Dead. You, me, and Michael Rosenbaum love this movie. Yes. yes. Yeah. So you know all the shit. Do so, you want a party? <laughs> <laughs> it's party time. Yeah. They just play that song over and over again. Yeah. You're like, is this the only song you could afford? Yeah. No, I mean that's as far as like Night of the Creeps. Just made me think about like, oh yeah movies that are like th- so here's a, so Return of the Living Dead yeah I didn't know about it I wa- a friend of mine brought it over and we watched it last Halloween do you know about it no I mean I've okay. heard them talk about it this is one that's not a Romero film right right, right. exactly and, it, and it's and so a, they took it in a totally different direction and it's like a kind of like punk rock like it reminds me of like Repo Man okay but with zombies okay um and it was written and directed by the writer of Alien the first Alien no um and it's it it. It's a it's a crazy movie. It's good. It's really trashy, but actually good. Yeah. Like like it's like in the first twenty minutes, there's one of the female characters just like likes to take all her clothes off, and she's naked for most of the movie. It's like it's like yes. it's not a classic. But kind to of avoid the NC seventeen, they had to give her a pasty for her vagina. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, so she looks like a do? Ken doll a little bit. Just like you know. Um, and so that's uh, freaky. But but yeah, written yeah, by I know. wrap it up. Shut up, Kevin. Written by the by the writer of Alien, uh, and and you can kind of feel it because like so, that movie was the movie that established that zombies want brains. Like it was the first movie where zombies were like brains, and then it became a thing. And it's because like the weird thing is you can really feel it because the whole movie is about like the plot of the movie is based around like basically going through the steps of how a zombie works and how it becomes a zombie and then what it wants after it's a zombie and like yeah. why and stuff. And it's like. Oh yeah, Alien was about the life cycle of how does this alien work and what stages does it go through, and then you really see it in this movie. But right. it's also this weird, ridiculous punk rock like you know m- midnight movie kind of like I gotta watch B movie. movie. Everybody go watch it. The soundtrack is fucking good. It's it's a weird movie and it's totally totally worth watching. Yeah, probably like Tacoma will be totally worth playing when it comes out this spring. <laughs> <laughs> right next spring. Oh, I guess it is still this spring. You know what I mean? I'm I'm thinking already so far <laughs> spring ahead. Twenty seventeen. You're wishing. No, I'm thinking that, that I'm thinking that we're already in spring. It's already popping here. Right. Well, when I'm it comes not, out next year, it's right? March. A year from now, Steve Gander's gonna be back here. We'll be talking about this game. We'll be saying it'll be out in the fall. We'll that's be that's the spoilers. <laughs> now that's just being a hater. <laughs> <laughs> it's just being a realist about game development. Steve, thank you for coming by. Absolutely. Thank I you love for you very much. It's, it's always, always great being here. I'll shake your hand as well. Thanks everybody. Thank it's you. A lot of fun. So Greg. We are rounding out our kind of funny games cast adventures, yeah. you know, just for tradition, as always, the final topic brought to you by the kind of funny forums, go to kind of funny.com slash games cast topic, leave your do topic, it. we'll get to it eventually. We didn't do that for this one, but I felt the need to, to put that in there today. We're talking to one Donald mustard. Correct. That from was chair. you and I. Yes, it was. It was. It was. No, it, no, it was Colin. Yeah. I was going to roll with it because I was going to roll with things. <sighs> Man. If I could just be frank with you, ladies and gentlemen, Tim's very tired. Because Tim's been busting his ass for this company on on a business deal (laughs) that I cannot talk about right now because it won't be live in time for when this goes live on Patreon. But oh yeah, well, but oh right, because this is next week. Oh, because the Rooster Teeth stuff. (laughs) Tim's living his dream and getting us to work with Rooster Teeth, and so they fucking awesome. But it's a lot of emails and a lot of him staying up late and him talking to this. They're not showering, so my hair does this thing exactly. And there's this one. Like disgusting fan, Tim has to keep working with name Andy Cortez, who's just you mean filthy. Andy Cortez from Rooster Teeth? I do mean Andy Cortez from Rooster Teeth, who keeps making us awesome shirt designs that we keep selling that we're selling right now over on our brand new store at kindoffunny.com/store, but it's not on the Rooster Teeth site, so shipping's really quick. 
So, so Donald Mustard. Donald Mustard, ladies and gentlemen. Chair, which means Shadow Complex, mm-hmm. which means Shadow Complex 2, which he has entirely laid out and they have a block for, but they've never done anything with and we talked about that. It means Infinity Blade and now it means Shadow Complex Remastered and it means that J.J. Abrams joint he's working on. We talk about that. Basically, if you don't know Donald Mustard and Chair, this is one of the OGGs in the industry, one of the coolest dudes, one of the most important people going, so we had to get him in here. Yeah, if you don't know Donald Mustard, now it's time to catch up. I fucking I'm hate you. Sorry. God damn it, Tim. What's up, everybody? Welcome to your very special Kind of Funny Games cast here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Time for one of our segments with the one and only Donald Mustard from Chair. How are you? I'm so good. How are you guys? I'm excellent. Well, thank you. Yes, it's Colin and I here to talk to you about this. Now, Colin is here because this man loves Shadow Complex. And I love him. Yes. Thank oh, you. there you go. That sure. works out great. Yeah. That's why I came. Very symbiotic. Uh, today, as of our recording... Shadow Complex Remastered out on Xbox One. Yep. It Congrat- came out a few hours ago on Xbox One. You can go get it right now. Congratulations. Yeah, great job. When's it coming to PlayStation 4? So it is coming to PlayStation 4 and Steam in May. Okay. I don't okay. know the exact day yet, but as of this morning, like we just, like I just got an email a few months ago saying that we're at ZBR, which means we have zero bugs, like we're ready to submit it into cert. So it will definitely be in May. Awesome. Cool. Congratulations yeah, on that. Thank you. How big is that? I mean, when you look back at chair and lineage and like I think right now so many people know you for infinity blade right but then I feel like there's so many console gamers who know you guys for shadow complex like what does shadow complex mean to you now oh man that's a good question so I mean I I desperately love shadow complex I mean for me it was um, and and for the whole team like this was it was not that all of our games aren't but this was an absolute labor of love for us and especially when you know, when we set out to make Shadow Complex, um, there just weren't, there weren't not not only were there not a lot of side scrollers being made, but there was absolutely not you know a non-linear Metroid esque side scrollers being made at all. And you know anyone we talked to about it, they're like you're crazy if yeah. you're not a first person shooter or like a cover based third person action game, like you're done. And we're like, no, I we just really believe that if we make it, they will come. Right? right. There, there will be an audience for this type of a game and. It's just been so immensely satisfying to, to, to just not only make that game, but to have, have it win, you know, like over 50 game of the year awards and be so critically acclaimed, but also just sell to so many people. Like there, there's a huge audience for those kind of games. And I think, you know, for the, and then we made, made, made infinity blade. Huh? Yeah, exactly. What, what were we we'll get to that. Yeah, eventually. Exactly. Yeah, you left it behind. You hung yeah. it out to dry. You never made a sequel. I hear you got maps for it though. You got everything <laughs> planned out. You just got to sit down and you know, it's okay. But, for Shadow Complex, I mean, like to think back to when that came out, when it came out on Xbox 360, that was still when downloadable games were like looked down upon, and it was uh-huh. it's pretty good for a downloadable game, yes. and like oh we'll do these games of the year, but we'll do download XBL game of the year and stuff like that. Like no, and it was interesting because I I hadn't I hadn't really revisited Shadow Complex at all since until we started redoing this. And I actually went back and read some of the reviews, and it was interesting. Like there was almost this theme through the reviews that like it's weird because I. I feel like I have to give this game a nine or a nine point five, but I almost, I almost think it should be a sixty dollar retail. I, I don't understand this game. It doesn't. I don't. It doesn't fit into this category that we've we've presupposed a digital title should be. And it's so crazy to even think that nowadays, like that there's this weird line between downloadable or not. And and I yeah, I I hope that Shadow Complex played at least a small part in kind of changing the viewpoint of what a game should even be classified as. I think it did. I mean, Colin, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Shadow Complex is still my favorite Xbox 360 game. 
Um, and uh, thematically, it's fantastic. Uh, obviously, the gameplay is fantastic. I mean, you guys kind of you made Infinity Blade, and obviously, this game must have been by volume and by revenue a much even bigger success than than Shadow Complex, which of course changed maybe the direction of where Chair was going. But I, it surprised me now that we're seven years or so removed from Shadow Complex. You guys really haven't made a sequel to it. It's it's almost for a lot of Shadow Complex fans out there like me. It's it's almost frustrating because like, <laughs> because the game clearly was a huge hit. Um, and I think warranted a sequel. So, and, and there has always been rumors that you guys wanted to do it or, you know, had ideas about it, but like, where is your head at now? Are you kind of putting out the remastered versions of Shadow Complex to kind of see, is there, is that interest still there? Or is it latent? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that that's not one of the reasons why we're doing it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely part of it. I mean, we, we loved making Shadow Complex and the truth is, so in, in, we, we did, you know, intense study of what we thought made the the Metroid games work so well and some of the Castlevania games work so well and you know could we could we put our own spin on that but really kind of find the vibe of and the soul of what made those things work and to me by the end of making Shadow Complex was when I'm like all right I know I actually know how to make one of these games like now I could actually go make a really good one and so for me Shadow Complex was like you know our warm up like, and then you just shut like, it all down and push yeah, it Yeah, no, and like we really know how to do it. And we did. We immediately went into developing Shadow Complex 2 and we worked on that for about nine months. Um, Greg's not wrong. And we did, we did, we, we laid out, we had the whole, we have the whole game designed on paper. Um, we even, yeah, I mean, we blocked the whole game in and, and BSP. Just think of it as like, just like rough, like gray box, everything. And yeah, I mean, we can, you know, I've, I can play through Shadow Complex 2 not in its time, not with all the AI and it's not beautiful at all. It says blocks, but you can play through the whole thing from start to finish and it's amazing. Like it, it is probably one of the best things I think that we've designed. Um, but as we were doing that, you know, Steve Jobs called and, and said, Hey, do you want to do this little thing? And we're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll pause Shadow Complex for a little bit and go do this thing with Apple that became Infinity Blade. And yeah, it became just this, this huge thing. And, and I, again, we love Infinity Blade. Like I think there's some, and the innovations we were able to bring to mobile and the design space there that are so innovative and we've been so fortunate to be successful there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we really want to get to back to shadow comics if it warrants it. And so, um, if you want more shadow comics, you know, get the remaster, get the remaster right? and to, to see honest, if you guys tell us you want it. You know, I don't know if I'm just furious right now or really happy that shadow <laughs> complex to exist and you can play it and it's been just sitting there. It's not, uh, and it's not just that. I mean, there's there's <laughs> massive amounts of work to do, of but course. the rough shell of it, yeah, I mean, is is pretty awesome. Thematically, I mean, do you guys have you know? I know that you know, the, and there was some controversy with Orson Scott Card kind of you know being a. a evolved with the theme or whatever with the story of the original um would you want to revisit that kind of empire based um uh, story and like continue that or would he still be involved or would you well so one of the awesome things about shadow comics and maybe maybe this isn't clear to everyone it was actually written by peter david oh, okay yeah and so, so why, was the, why was the controversy, yeah, the comic, why yeah. was there controversy around the, around that then so when we, so, you know, we, not that I agree with the controversy. No, no, it's fine. I mean, so, no, I, I think this, this is, interview's you know, over. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just the way things get communicated and, and whatever. But, um, no, we, I love working with great storytellers. That's why we love working with like JJ Abrams. I mean, just every, every, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in finding great partners to work with. And I, I was, you know, a huge fan of Peter David and his work, uh, on, on, all sorts of comic books. Uh, Supergirl. Yeah. No, yes. Yeah, super, but specifically, like I loved his early work on 
Wolverine in the early 90s for any of you that, you know, want to go look up some of that stuff or, you know, whatever, like <laughs> some awesome stuff. And so when the opportunity came up that we're like, oh man, we could get like someone like a Peter David to write with us, that'd be amazing. So we, he was amazing and we convinced him to work with us on the script and he wrote Shadow Complex and he wrote Shadow Complex 2. Like that script, the script's done. Um, and while that was happening, Orson Scott Card, we you know we, we knew Orson Scott Card and he was like, hey, I would love to write a book in your universe so he licensed the mm. rights from us so it went the other way around what's oh, the other way around we own shadow Comics, it's ours. he licensed it from us he wrote a book and there you go but and the book is empire right the book is empire because okay, i read yeah. empire yep um but yeah it was it was based on our universe okay. not, not the other way around that's interesting oh so okay so that's where the controversy stems from as well mm. so okay so so the story is also written by this gentleman for shadow complex two and it's just sitting there along with the the kind of the shell of the game as well it's this kind of enticing stuff yep Peter David's awesome. Peter David's awesome. You should re- read his Supergirl run. You should that's, read his you know Young Justice good, no. run. His Dunham X, will tell you about X Hulk. Factor. Yeah, Dunham yeah, will tell you to yeah, do Hulk. I mean, yeah, no. It, Colin hates comics because he sucks. And he even made Aquaman cool. Like, he made Aquaman cool somehow. Like, it's crazy. I didn't know that. that no, ever, Peter David's awesome. That was ever a thing. All right, you can stop talking. Okay, anyway. Don't worry about that. Well, much. this is, I mean, <laughs> that's so exciting to know because I, I, I know that, you know, Infinity Blade seemed to be an amazing distraction for your studio and it, and it vaulted you guys into this. That's it, not a distraction. I mean, well, I mean we, we, we bled for that. I mean, that was like... I'm saying from Shadow Complex specifically. And so that's a great direction for you guys to go. It's not like you guys are struggling doing, you know, having to do contract work or figure out how you're going to make ends meet. I know that that was a great direction for you guys to go and mm-hmm. you choose that path 100 out of 100 times. It's just great to know. Um, it was great to see you at, at the Game Awards talking about you know Shadow Comics because it really is a game that I adore and uh, you know I think I would like to think there are hundreds of thousands of us there are um, out there and you'll that, see them you know, come out in droves I'm sure that's what's got to be so exciting about the remasters putting it out and getting it to PlayStation audience getting it to the PC audience yeah I mean and, and with with any I mean even with the work you guys do I mean we I, I our our intent is to bring the light and to bring joy to people in their lives, right? And if if the work we make can even delight or entertain you at all, like that's amazing to us. And so the opportunity to bring that to more people is all we really want. And so it's so awesome to be bringing it to PlayStation and Xbox One and to PC. Like it's a dream come true. Now I should, should call out, you've given us five codes for Shadow Complex okay. remastered on Xbox One. And we're going to do it like we did with those indie developers last night. So right now, Twitter.com slash Shadow Complex has 737 followers. If we can get it to 1,200, <laughs> we'll give away all five. That way it'll be one by one by one by one. And so this is interesting because we actually just started at Shadow Complex on Twitter. Because, Surprised you got because, it. <laughs> because here's how crazy it is. When Shadow Complex came out in 2009, Twitter wasn't even really a thing. So they didn't have Twitter accounts. So so this is like a whole new thing for Shadow Yeah, Complex. how the hell did you even get that? Did you have to buy that off of someone or did no one take shot? Or did you, you took did, somebody did, out you, or did you, you have some savvy person just sit on it for five years? You know, I don't even ask how we can come <laughs> back. Just, you know, I don't want to know how the sausage uh, yeah, gets yeah. made. <laughs> I just want to get there and have it there. Um, so in terms of the Chair's timeline, we've started talking about Infinity Blade. I mean, when Steve Jobs calls, was that a hard vision to wrap your head around? Were you guys like, eh, like it's a cool opportunity, but do we care? Is this going to work? Does mobile and touch gaming matter? Well, it was interesting because, uh, I mean, because we just want to make great stuff. And while we were, you know, we were working on Shadow Complex too, it was amazing. But I found myself personally, like earlier that year, Mass Effect Two had come out, which is one of my favorite games of the yeah. last generation. And while I was 
playing through Mass Effect 2, I was sitting on my couch one day watching a football game and I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually have some time right now. I could go play a game. And I'm like, oh, I could go upstairs and play Mass Effect 2. Or I was like, or I could play, you know, I could play Field Runners on my phone. It was this, it was a little like tower defense I remember, game. Yeah. And I picked Field, like I, in my own brain, I, like, I'm like, I'm going to play Field Runners. I'm going to play that instead of Mass Effect. And there was like this, crazy moment for me. I'm like, what have I just done? Like, <laughs> what have I become? What have I, what's wrong with me? You know, but, but this little light went off in my head where I'm like, oh my goodness, like this mobile stuff is going to be a thing. You know, it's going to be a big deal. And so there was a part of not just my brain, but everyone at chair, we started switching our brain a little bit going, hmm, if mobile, if mobile, what would we do? And so that was like kind of already happening. Um, so when Apple called and when Steve Jobs was like, hey, I actually have this new thing that is pretty powerful. I think it can run 3D. It can run Unreal. Like, do you guys want to try and do something together? Um, it wasn't that hard for us to say. I mean, it was like, because again, initially we're like, you know, is it worth pausing Shadow Complex for three or four months to do trying this little thing? And we're like, yeah, a few months. Let's 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 see what the future is going to be. And we had no idea. Like, we had no idea that Infinity Blade was going to become so huge, that mobile was going to become so huge. We just kind of we're in the right place at the right time. How, how was that introduction made? I mean, how did Apple come upon, you know, did, do you have a personal relationship with people there or did, did someone kind of send you, send no, your I name mean, up? I mean, so uh, Chair is part of Epic. So we're part of Epic Games, which makes uh, Unreal Engine mm. technology. And at the time it was Unreal Engine 3 and we had a, a little t- part of the engine team secretly working on getting Unreal Engine working on mobile. And they had got like a little version spun up on an earlier version of Apple hardware. And I think some of the Apple folks had seen that. And so they knew that was happening. And so they knew our technology was, I mean, Unreal Engine technology is incredible, right? It powers such amazing games. And so that I think is how some of the early relationship formed. And and then, you know, Steve, right? He, he wanted, you need, it, it's not just technology that shows off. It's, it's a, you know, something visual to show that. And, and so I think that's where um, we got we got invited to participate in that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that's that's the right men for the right and women for the right job, yep. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shadow Complex Twitter, the push has begun. You've crossed eight hundred, are closing in on <laughs> nine hundred. So the first winner of Shadow Complex Remastered is from the Twitch chat by the random number generator, and it's Panzerg two. So when I get the codes, I will send them to you, and you'll have it on Xbox One. Nice. Congrats. Um, so. As Infinity Blade keeps going, what's happening? Who's Asking talking about that? What, what are you codes doing? are sent to your email. Thank you very oh. much, Kevin. You're a good guy, Kevin. <laughs> Snappy dresser too. <laughs> Thank you. Infinity Blade's going. You guys keep, see so much success with it. Was that it? Was that just the no-brainer to keep going there and continue to po- you know indefinitely polish Shadow Complex too? No, I mean like uh, you know. As you've probably seen, right? Like, we don't just immediately like, yeah, let's just make a sequel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not really our thing. No, I mean, it, to me, it's more about is is there more that we feel like we need to say design-wise in a genre? Mm-hmm. And and it was. I mean, truthfully, when we finished Shadow Complex, we're like, there. Now we've learned how to do this. We have more to say. There's more. In, we're, there's innovation we think we could bring here with Infinity Blade. We, in a lot of ways, had kind of invented this new genre. Right. They're just, I mean, now there's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of Infinity Blade like games yeah, of course. in the world. But at the time, there was nothing like that. And so at the end of Infinity Blade 1, it took off so huge. And, and even for us, we're like, this is just the cusp of what we think a mobile game could be, of what the design relationships could be, like of what we could even say in this space. And, and it did. I, I mean, we very much felt obligated to 
flesh out this genre that we had kind of invented yeah, in, created, in some yeah. ways. And so it required, and again, for us, even though it had an Infinity Blade 1, a 2, and a 3 on it, for us, it was more, it was the same code base. We just, we basically worked on that for two and a half years, you know, from the beginning of Infinity Blade to the end of Infinity Blade 3. And it took us that amount of time to fully express that design. And so to me, what Infinity Blade 3 is now is the full representation of what we thought a full-featured AAA mobile game could look like. Um, and we're done now. Like, for me, I'm like, I have fulfilled what we think we need that to be, and now we could move on. We, and we moved on to Spy Jinx, but... Yeah. You know. Yeah, you move on to something else <laughs> called Spy Jinx. Because we had this awesome, crazy idea. And Explain to, the idea to, to everybody. I'll tell you later. I'm not going to tell you yet. Tell it's, everybody right right now. You've already It's already been leaked. JJ's been talking about it left and right. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, if JJ's saying... No, no, no. <laughs> no, we're not ready yet. No, we had... Again, we just... We had this really... What we thought was a cool idea for a new intellectual property and a new game. And uh, and we'll talk more about it soon, but we've been working on it uh, for a while. It's it's going to be really cool. But how does the collaboration then with JJ Abrams come to be? Because um, you so, get a call from Steve Jobs. Does this time, does Abrams call you or are you calling Abrams? No, 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 no. So, so again, it kind of all feeds together, right? So, um, JJ is a fan of Apple products, right? And so he, I think, happened to be watching some of the keynote stuff. And, and I happened to be on stage with Steve Jobs being like, boop, 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 look at Infinity Blade and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, and then Infinity Blade 2 comes out and it's, you know, it gets like a 10 from IGN and it's like winning all these awards. And, and I think JJ at that time, it's like, oh, you know, he, he, he was aware of us. The real thing that happened, though, was his son started playing Infinity Blade. Ah. And his son is like super into it and yet would get to these bosses that he couldn't beat. So he'd be like, Dad, you got to beat this help. for me. <laughs> and so JJ had to get good at Infinity Blade, <laughs> right? But then he started getting into the story and he started seeing it. So that was kind of happening. And then on the side of that, like, I'm a huge JJ Abrams fan, right? And, and again, like, part of, our thing at chair is, you know, when we identify people that we really respect, like a Peter David or a Brandon Sanderson, we're like, we got to work with these people. And forever we're like, we got to work with the JJ. We got to just meet him. And mostly so I can just be like, ask him all my lost questions. Sure. Of course. Right. And that's really what it was. It was like, I have like a whole like notebook of like, man, you and Colin should get coffee after this. And so, (laughs) and so, and so, yeah, it came an opportunity where through Apple, we were able to get kind of introduced. And, um, and I really thought it was going to be that just like I can, meet him I could bow down and I could be like I love you and then that would be it right but we we got talking and you know what was supposed to just be like a 15 20 minute say hi thing turned into three or four hours and by the end of it um we were like we have to work together right and so it just kind of went from there amazing Uh, we're so lucky uh I'm curious about you know we have you only for a few more minutes and it's more I guess an infinity blade related question but how do you feel? I, I don't want to say you're, you know, like you, you helped pioneer a, a specific niche and a very respected and hardcore core niche on mobile gaming. Um, but we've been very critical of mobile gaming as it seems like only 1% of 1% of games even are relevant. Everything else kind of falls to the wayside as a race to the bottom in terms of pricing. The landscape seems to have changed a great deal since you released Infinity Blade. Yes, for sure. How do you feel about mobile as a platform now? Because it seems like for most developers, unless you are what a game of war whatever these commercials you see sure, yeah. whatever like you're kind of n- have no prayer like you see thousands of these guys just going out of business you know one two three person studios making these games so how do you feel about the way that it's evolved now do you think it's like a positive place to still be for games today i think it depends on the game right i mean uh it's definitely it's definitely hard i mean i think we're 
and I think it's, I think you can see it in its most, <laughs> I'll use the word pure, it's the most pure form on mobile, but I kind of think that's indicative of the whole industry right now where, um, making a game is very, very hard, but the tools to make games and the platforms that games are available on have just become so wide that there, and there's just, there's millions of people making games right now. There's probably hundreds of thousands of games released a year. And if you looked at like across all platforms, the ones that make it, it's, it's a very small number. It's not just mobile, right? On console, on PC, on steam, like very few of the games that actually get released. Yeah. Like become viable commercial products. And and so it's a it's it's an interesting time. I'm interested to see like how over the next few years all of us kind of navigate this. Um, again, I think mobile is it's in it, you see it in its most you know pure uh, capitalistic you know kind of expression. Um, but I do think I mean as a designer you have to look at different business models. And as I look at free to play as a business model. I I look at that and I go I think there are ways. And I think there's just trying to see games now games like. Hearthstone and games like even like Supercell's new game Clash Royale and stuff that that are like actually really 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 good games. They have really smart design. There's really good gameplay inherent in them, and I think they're finding ways to to make money on those games that isn't exploit. You know that that is a clear like value to players. And so I think there's so much design innovation that can come through that business model if we're more smart about it. But um, I don't know. It's, it's, we're in an interesting time period right now. Where Saturation, it's, right? It is. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So we'll see. I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, to me, it's a, I stay away from it. Cause I just, I feel like, I, and we've talked about even PSN. I mean, steam's already kind of think gone uh, on the other side of the, the paradigm now where I think it's getting too flooded with just, mm-hmm. there's no quality control. Like, I don't think there's any shame in having, you know, I think that there's a subjective nature to reviewing games for 95% of it, but there is a 5% ob- objective. Is this game even worth anyone's time? Does it run? Is, does it have a, you know, is, is it decent? Is, it, is someone going to feel like they're ripped off when they, and I just feel like there's not enough of that even on console. Now you're seeing it on PSN when we read the blog every week, I'm like, did you read, are half these games even relevant? Are these, yeah, did you ha- read half the these description games, of these games? Yeah, right, like even yeah. 30 million PS4s out there, are these half these games even selling 10,000 copies? Like, is it even worth or flooding? 10. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, are you are you flooding the PSN and making the good stuff harder to find? I think that that's unfortunately bleeding into the console space. So I think it's actually the mobile kind of infection, as it were, with that kind of race to the bottom is starting to infect everything. Um, well, and I, I think that's the, a negative kind of thing, personally. I don't know if I'd blame mobile for it as much as I just blame the tools becoming more that's and more what, accessible. It seems like that right? to me. I think it's just the tools are so ubiquitous now that it's just it's. You figure it's mobile happening. was the first one that was the, a huge shift, right? When it was yeah. like for ninety nine dollars, you are developing for your Apple, yeah. and you're like, what? Okay, and then right. that's when you got all these weird games, and now with PSN and, or in how the, you know you the ability to make something in Unity and put it on Steam, and put it to Xbox, and put it to PlayStation. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, from again a, the capitalist yeah, viewpoint, yeah. it makes yeah. perfect sense to oh, proliferate. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm wondering is if the stakeholders need to have a little bit more control sure. because it makes it lowers the value of PSN. It lowers, I, I feel like PSN is more powerful on the PS4 in terms of the games that are there, but I feel like the PSN actually quality-wise was way better on PS3, like on an average basis. Yep. Well, and I think, again, like, I mean, if this is getting way boring, we can just change the subject, but I think, yeah, like, the, the <laughs> no, technology This is the curve, shit we love, don't worry. Right? The technology curve of, like, how, again, not, like, making a game is easy by any means, again, which is why the huge quality disparity, because right. it's not easy to make a good quality product, right? But the curve of being able to make that and then the curve of user experience from a store standpoint... I don't know that any of the people that designed the storefronts in any of the platforms we don't have have I don't know if anyone even had the opportunity to think through like how do you service 
hundreds of thousands of things in a way that can actually be organized and sorted. Like the stores are just behind the technology and it's going to take some time for people to figure it out. It's not sure. like this is easy stuff to solve. No, of course but not. I promise there's probably people out there who are very motivated to like solve it so that the good stuff, the cream can rise, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it, To me, it's, and it's probably such a simplistic and ignorant way of looking at it from my point of view, but like could PlayStation, for instance, have just a number of people, 20 people that are just like, these are the games that are insert right now. Like, would any of you even buy this? Like, like, is it worth, you know, because they, they really lose nothing by putting the game up, getting a 30% rip on the game. I mean, I understand them, but at the same time, say, you know, three games start with, uh, you know, PS or something when you're searching for it. And it's like, well, maybe we can knock that down to two to make to, to you know, like someone, someone someone's using the, the slider to search. The games are actually worth a damn. Yeah, yeah. Come up and they're not hidden. Yeah. And then maybe that increases our sales. Time. In other words, a very convoluted way of looking at it. And I don't know if it's accurate. I don't know if it's, anyone would even agree, but I just wonder if less is more. And I'm seeing that with, you know, with obviously mobiles, tens and tens and tens of thousands of games yep. on there. Yeah. But like are more than a thousand of them even you know, fun. And so I wonder, like, is, yeah. you know, th- it seems like the consumer suffers ultimately. And that's why the race to the bottom to not pay anything yep. then hurts all the developers. Yep. But that's, uh, that's a philosophical. I'm confident we'll solve it. Right. Like, I mean, that's if, of course it's going to get solved. Everyone is motivated to solve that. Right. I hope so. I, I think you're right. You're way smarter than I am. So no, no, you would know. No, it's true. Would. It's true. I know him and I know you. It's <laughs> 100% true. <laughs> Donald. Thank you for coming through. We got Shadow Complex on Twitter up another 100 followers. You're at a little over 900 right now. So we'll give away another code. This one going to Patreon user Kevin. Not our Kevin. It's not you, Kevin. It's a different Kevin. Another Kevin has won a code for the Xbox One version of Shadow Complex Remastered, which is coming to PC and PS4 in May. Yeah, so it's on Xbox One today, uh, PS4 and Steam in May. And then also... We started to hint it. I know I didn't tell you much about SpyJinx, but SpyJinx, we are starting to, if you go to SpyJinx.com, we're starting to take people registering for Ooh. a beta that we will be announcing at some point and that we will be telling you more about the game, you know, a few months from now, and it's going to be crazy awesome. So awesome. if you want to go check it out, check it and out. And for the love of all that is holy, buy Shadow Complex. We want Shadow Send Complex, the right too. message. It's pretty much all done. He could easily just ship all these documents to Bluepoint or somebody, and they would just do it. <laughs> Yeah, that totally works and makes it totally <laughs> awesome and refined. And you know, that's exactly what you want. Ship it off to a yeah, third yeah, party; they'll yeah. do it for you. Yeah, you'll find you know, some. Kevin will do it for you. Just send it to Kevin. It would be amazing, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Donald, thank you so much for coming by. <laughs> thank, yeah, you. thank you. Very Have much. a great yep. GDC, man. Right. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Yep. Whoa, Greg, that was a fascinating interview. It was. Yes. I don't want to lie; I'm pretty good at this. You are. You're really good at this. I just keep, you know, I like just being. I like being the second fiddle. I like just being there and having someone actually know what they're doing, and yeah. I can just kind of say like stupid shit every once sure. in a while. I like I'm you really being really good at that. I like you being my second fiddle because I'm not gonna name names. I've had a a broken, out of tune fiddle for a long time now, mm. and <laughs> he's right a lot though. Yeah, fiddle. but I mean, it's a broken like, fiddle's right twice a day. It's like you didn't. You didn't I'm playing the fiddle now. Oh, you didn't. You didn't thank me in your award. It's like all right, buddy. You know, mm. I just I don't see you thanking me all the time in your tweets. He's pretty good at tweets. He is. Yeah. That second. Yeah, fiddle. if you want some really heady tweets that are about like the Republican Party, there it's great, I guess. Go Islanders. It's like I'm, I keep I'm you know, I keep walking this taco joint expecting tacos and he just keeps giving me rice aroni and I'm like this doesn't make any sense. I fucking love rice aroni. That's a San Francisco treat. You grew up on it out oh here. My God, are you I aware did. that for real? Like that's it, when you talk to the rest of the country about San Francisco, the place you're from and now that I've been here Forever. for 9 years, my place too. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You talk to anybody else, it's rice aroni they talk about. 
And then it's about it, the gay. That's all, any, all, all anyone and the Golden Gate Bridge, but nobody talks about that. Really? I mean, they talk That's about That's not it. the talk of the town. You're well, telling not, me people are sat around the street corners like, hey, uh, what's up with that rice aroni and the gays? But not the, they're not talking about our beautiful bridge, our big, beautiful I mean, bridge. I, they talk enough about it, but like, one of, yeah, it's not as, no. It's really all about rice aroni and then how progressive we are. I'm going to be real and we're about this. Yeah. I love the city that I'm from. Yeah, city by the way. Last yesterday, I saw a picture on the internet where it was a, one of those before and after, and it was like ten years ago. This cop stopped this guy from jumping off the bridge. Yeah, and this is him ten years later, and it was like the cop seeing him for the first time in ten years. Oh, that and the really guy touching. has like two two kids now, and he's like has a great ass yeah. life and stuff. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm taking credit for this for some reason. I was gonna say, I'm from Chicago, and if somebody if you're about to jump off a bridge in Chicago, the cops push you. They're like, we don't have time for this. We Damn. have to get to Portillo's. And we're really upset about the bears. Holy shit. It's a depressing, windy well, place. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the first ever episode 64 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. Join us on our, you know, WrestleMania, there's the road to WrestleMania. Yeah. With the Kind of Funny Games cast, we are on the road to episode 69. We're on the way. Are you going to have we're anything up your sleeve for 69? I haven't planned have it yet. Have you laid it out? Is it? No, no. Who knows when it's happening? Okay. So I'm saying something will happen now. Probably won't. But. At the very least, I can promise you I'll be really excited when I say it. You scared me because we had a moment there where I thought our minds were in perfect sync. Because I was literally thinking right before you started talking and I was finishing up my thing about how cool it would be if the mics hung like this, like we were in rings. And then you're like, you started talking about WrestleMania. And I was like, oh my God, are we becoming one right now? Kevin, get on it. Until next time, I love you. For episode 69, I want want it like this. That that would make sense, actually. I like it. I thought that these are going up as one stitch together podcast. So fuck you, Kevin. That's my <laughs> outro. And if you need one, fuck Kevin Coelho. <laughs> Tweet at him at kind of funny Kevin and tell him fuck you. So Kevin, future Kevin, not real Kevin now. I'm sorry, future Kevin, that I did this to you. There right, you go. All right. Fuck you, future Kevin. Future hope you're Kevin, not dead. Fu- That'd be sad if future Kevin. But was I mean, dead. future Kevin wouldn't be watching this. I hope everything's great. I hope Paul didn't dump you, future Kevin. I hope you have both hands still, future Kevin. Future Kevin. She's not going to dump you. I hope you got a new belt by now, future Kevin. (laughs) Yeah, you're doing this bit that no one will see. (laughs) All right, here we go. Sorry.